0: Welcome to episode 318 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and you maybe haven't heard my dulcet tones for a few weeks, but I am back for a Retro Encounter tradition dating back at least till uh, at least to 2016, I think. Our year-end episode, where we, when we are the least retro of every particular year, and talk about the past year of RPGs. And who's joining me this time? It is Peter Triesenberg. Hello, everybody audra bowling hey and jonathan logan hello everyone so peter audra jano uh we are here to talk about and discuss and celebrate 2021 for as much as we are willing to celebrate 2021 because in many respects i thought 2021 sucked in many respects in a lot of respects. a fair assessment Yes, but uh we are going to try and keep it positive this episode. Uh like there are very many legitimate reasons to be frustrated and upset with the events of 2021, but we're going to try and only talk about video games and more specifically the RPGs that we enjoyed in 2021. So before we get into our semi-round table dis- discussion, uh what were your impressions of 2021 in video games? Uh any anyone willing to go first
1: well actually i felt thought there was actually quite a lot of quality games that were released this year surprisingly i've reviewed a lot so and i was pleasantly surprised by most of them
0: yeah did you you crack the 30 mark on your reviews this year audrey
1: I think I may
0: have. Yes, you did.
2: <laughs> so, so, so right at 30. All right. <laughs> you did. Uh, Mr. Sabato and I were uh, talking about that, and we were like, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? She's going to do it. She's going to do, do it. And then she did it. <laughs> uh,
0: so, Jono, what was your impression of uh, 2021 in video games?
2: Uh, I thought it actually was better than I expected. Uh, coming off 2020, I mean, there was obviously a rash of delays because of, you know, work from home, things like that uh and i thought it was going to impact the industry a lot more than it did now that's not saying it did not massively impact the industry but i thought we were going to see a lot more delays um than uh actually happened so all in all i don't think it was a bad year for video games i don't think it was like one for the record books but considering everything else that was going on around us not terrible surprisingly uh and for rpgs especially i mean we got some uh we got some fantastic RPGs this year that we've been hoping for for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I, I think that um, there was definitely some delays that we experienced, but also I, I think we got a handful of 2020 delays that landed in 2021. Uh, like, for example, I know, I know Bravely Default 2 was originally going to be a 2020 game, but it uh, it uh, moved to 2021 because of delays. So like so, definitely the, uh, the workforce in the gaming industry was affected, but sometimes the effect was getting a game in 2021 that we thought we were getting in 2020. Uh, Personally, I thought it was an unusually strong year. I, uh, I had more, I think I went into 2021 thinking I wouldn't get a ton of games this year. And then the absolute opposite happened. And I played like uh, at at least a dozen new 2021 games, which is higher than my average and then bought more. And I also got a PS five in 2021 somehow, uh, so this is maybe one of my most expensive years for video games, but I, uh, I had a pretty good time and I was, there was always something new coming out that I was at least interested in and, and one game in particular, maybe I, uh, I played way more than any other, but I thought 2021, not a great year for a lot of reasons, but a pretty good year for art, for video games in general and RPGs in particular. So, uh, Peter, what were your thoughts on 2021 and video games?
3: Uh, in general, yeah. I thought 2021, like, despite all its ups and downs, was a fairly strong year for games. Um, we had a lot of re-releases. We had some so stuff that got kind of delayed through the pipeline from twenty twenty one from 2020 that started coming through this year. Um, we had a lot of really promising indie titles. We had some really neat surprises um, and some really long-awaited AAA releases. So, uh, yeah, in general, really strong start, really a good amount of variety.
0: Cool. So let's move on to the second part of the podcast where we basically just take turns each talking about a game that we liked until I get either too tired or hungry to continue. Um, So my game of the year was uh, was pretty unexpected to me
2: because it was not a game I was looking for. I've heard about it, but I didn't... I, it didn't get a massive amount of uh, coverage when it got released. You know, some in, some good reviews and things like that. We didn't review it actually, uh, and I'm going to try to fix that by the end of the year. Uh, but <laughs> now it's getting a massive amount of coverage on YouTube, and it's showing up on a number of lists. And that is the Forgotten City.
3: Yes. <laughs>
2: it it took me so off guard because it was there was a rash of uh, time loop time travel mystery adventure games over the last few years. And some of them have been absolutely exceptional. And there's been some fantastic ones this year too. Overboard, for example, uh was absolutely excellent, even though it wasn't really a murder mystery
0: as it was kind of like a reverse murder mystery. But um And, uh, and Death Loop was pretty huge too. Then that's practically the definition of that game.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh but the Forgotten City is it started out life as a Skyrim mod. Just a uh, a Skyrim quest. It was about I don't know. I've never. I haven't played it, but it was like a couple of hours worth of content. And uh, the developer of the mod uh, left their job, and they developed this game. And it is a real deep dive into mythology uh, and Greek and Roman and Egyptian history. And uh, wh- the whole the whole central conceit of the game is you you wake up on the side of a river uh, and a woman is uh sitting there saying hey I fished you out of the river and you and another guy you both almost drowned there and I, I fished you out uh and hey he went into the woods over there uh to those ruins can you go check on him so you, you go check on him and you fall down a hole and you find yourself in a completely abandoned and destroyed Roman city underground um and as you as you walk through the city you find uh you find a portal and with some bones just outside of it. And you step into the portal and you find yourself in this, uh, you find yourself in this city in its prime thousands of years earlier, and you are taken to the, uh, the head of the city. And he says, he tells you that this city lives by the golden rule. And what that means is if anybody breaks the law, if anyone does anything immoral, like steals something or certainly murders someone, everyone in the city will die. Um, and he says, I know for a fact that somebody is going to be breaking this law because you are here. And I have a, I have a way to open a portal uh, that allows you to travel back in time to the day before the law was broken. So I need you to figure out who in this city is going to be breaking the golden rule and to fix it and to stop them and to save all of our lives. Um, so it becomes this uh, time loop mystery adventure game where you have to like to solve puzzles. Sometimes you you might need to you might need to break the golden rule and then hustle yourself back to the portal to get back to the earlier that day, which gives you a tremendous sense of guilt because like you're watching all of these people die around you and it's your fault, but then you rewind time again and they're fine. Um, but through this, you have to relive events, use your knowledge of future events to, uh, to uh, influence things and figure out who is going to break the golden rule. And it is exceptional. Uh, it looks good. I love mythology, so it really hit me where I live. Uh, if this is an expansion of the original Skyrim mod, and it was only a few hours, I, I this this person deserves just a massive round of applause for this game. Um, I highly recommend it to everyone. It's not a long game. Uh, I think I got through it in about eight eight hours, maybe. Uh, and it is, it's is—it's the kind of game that after it ended, I sat there and I thought about it for about two or three days afterwards. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, really, really an exceptional, exceptional piece of entertainment. Um, and for me, it came out of nowhere. And I am absolutely thrilled that it exists. And I highly recommend it to everyone. It's by far, it's my game of the year. Not even a question.
0: I have heard a lot about this, mostly from uh, other podcasts talking about it. And it sounded really, really intriguing. Just, Just a... It's a of almost a strictly dialogue and narrative driven game that uh...
3: I think it really I think it really hit its stride um, recently. Like a lot of people, it was kind of a sleeper hit, and then all of a sudden, everyone just kind of discovered it. Um, I'm I, I, I've only heard I've only I haven't played it yet, although it is on my to do list because um, of all the coverage I've been seeing of it. And um, it just it's a it's it just sounds fascinating, and I love 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 the fact that it like originated as a mod like that that's just kind of an incredible story.
1: Yeah, I'd heard about it too, and it's been on my list to look into more.
2: Uh, yeah, there is very little combat. There's a little bit of combat in it. You can skip it; it's not necessary, um, but it's not difficult combat at all. Like it's not it's it's not Skyrim level. It, it, it's it's very very basic because um,
0: you you can attack or even kill people if the situation demands or even or perhaps even by accident but uh yeah and that's part of like the puzzle solving of the game in places it's like
2: not to like how do you how can you kill someone without breaking the golden rule yeah there are a number of different endings for the game so you can end the game i think there's i think there's four different endings so a lot of content there. So once you beat the game, you can just go back and try again, and re- hopefully get the—I don't want to say the real ending because it's not. There's no real ending. They're all real endings, but uh, some are more satisfying than others.
0: And um, does the game keep track of some of the things that you learned, like in a like in a codex or something, so that so you, that you can reference in in future loops? Yeah, and
2: you also carry with you your inventory because you're not looping. So uh, everything you learn, all of your inventory, everything. Uh, comes with you, and there's a really, really great little. Um, I suppose this is a bit of a spoiler, so if you if you don't want, if no one wants to, uh, it's it's not nothing plot related, but um, there's a really great cheat that the very first time you enter the portal, there's a guy outside and he's a farmer and he says, "Hey, friend, what are you doing here?" Uh, and you know he shows you around the city, and every single time you go through the portal, he's always there to say, "Hey, friend, what are you doing here?" Uh, and eventually, you can just use him to uh do all of your chores you just you just tell him okay look i don't need you to ask any questions but i need you to do this this tell this person this do this do this and do this and he'll be like okay and he'll just like take off and you can follow (laughs) him through the city as he does all of your chores for you uh to get like to set up certain uh certain character states and things like that if you need them to move forward yeah, so there's actually not as much repetition in this game as you might expect because there are there are really really smart decisions made about uh about how to push past it. And uh I mean, it's not a it's not a stunning game in terms of its graphics, but it does look better than a Skyrim mod by far. It's and every all of the assets in it are custom. It looks very authentic. I The acting in it is exceptional. Some of the characters are just fantastic and very, just really, really stick with you. And it's a story about tragedy and reliving that tragedy over and over and over again and doing everything you can to avert it. So I recommend this to everybody. I just think it's an exceptional, exceptional experience.
0: Having that farmer around in Majora's Mask would have made the Anju and Cafe side quest way easier.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there is a bit of uh, that is something I thought about. This there is a bit of Majora's Mask in the Forgotten
0: City. I, I I mean we've had so many time loop games this year and the past year and a half or so that I think a lot of Majora's Mask super fans from 2000 grew up to became game developers and and we're seeing some of the harvest of that mm-hmm. of of I that seed that. that was planted 20 years ago. But uh, I 21 years ago, God, it was, God. I'm old, aren't I?
2: Yeah, but I haven't enjoyed a I haven't enjoyed a mystery game like this as much. This stuck with me as much as Oberdin did, like I think i'm I'm putting them on its its design isn't quite as intricate as Oberdin, which is just a masterpiece of game design and graphics and everything but the the way this game stuck with me and the questions it asks of the player uh about morality quite exceptional, I think
0: all right, so that was the Forgotten City, one of the highlights of twenty twenty one let's talk about one of the first games I played in twenty twenty one uh uh east nine months from nox was a game i was really looking forward to being a a, a a big fan of east for the past seven or eight years or so uh i guess it's been more like eight or nine years because uh, i i remember when i like listening to Derek heemsburg and talk about east games on podcasts finally got me to get off my butt and try some of the remakes from the early 2000s and i liked him so much that i ended up like beating five games in six months and then playing every new East game as it came out. So, uh, I, am I'm an East fan. I was really looking forward to East nine and I think it mostly delivered it, uh, it, uh in this game, you're in, you know, uh, all of Adol Kristen's adventures in a fake post-classical world. This one takes place in fake France, uh, following a fake hundred years war. Um, you're in a city called Balduque that has a, uh, that has a Roman garrison and, uh, and uh is the you know the last bastion of a uh, of a of a no of a once proud empire but uh because of some odd circumstances at gets uh imprisoned immediately upon entering the city and while he's escaping from jail he gets shot with a magic bullet that turns him into something called a monstrum which makes him look which gives him cool vampire armor and gives him sort of uh uh, superhuman strength and flying, dashing around the city kind of powers. And so Adol teams up with some other individuals with monstrum powers, and together you uncover the secret of the city and the big comp- conspiracy that's about to, you know, blow the whole thing up. And so it's a, it's an East game with more open world elements than previous ones, uh, but it still keeps that uh, that dungeon running... Flavor and all of the colorful characters that you would expect out of a uh, out of a good Falcom game of the 2010s, or I guess now we're in the 2020s. Uh, I-, I thought there was maybe a little bit too much uh, spinning its wheels on dialogue and plot. Like I think I feel like this is a 40 hour game that could have been 25 hours, but uh, but I really really had a great time with it. And by the end, they do some twisty things with the east story that i was not expecting and were and was surprisingly fun uh audra i i reviewed the ps4 version of the game in january but i think you reviewed the switch version a little bit later is that right
1: yes and i agree with you on it being a really enjoyable game that maybe could have been cut down a little bit but overall it was pretty fun
0: yeah, like I I didn't mind having a bunch of side quests and a bunch of stuff to do in town, but sometimes I would just be playing the game and and saying like, "Come on, get on with it already. This is an east game, not a trails game." And yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> and 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 I did not enjoy going around town and having parts of the town walled off because of arbitrary purple walls because, "Oh, your curse means you can't go to this part of of town yet." It's like, "Well, this is completely arbitrary, and I hate it." But <laughs> And some of the stuff was poorly explained, like, um, like why you had to jump into a, a dark dimension and fight demons every every five hours or so. But by the end, it's it's a it does some pretty cool story cho- choices. So, I'm Peter, I didn't realize. Did you play this game also?
3: No, I know I didn't. Um, but I, I was commenting because that was a very similar criticism that I've heard to um to the last Yeez game too, to Yeeze eight was um, that this game spins its wheels a little too much and is a little more trailsy than easy at points. Uh, it seems to be the direction that Falcom is going in a little bit, which I think is interesting.
0: Well, the Trails games since 2005 have been Falcom's most successful games ever by far. And the guy who was the architect of 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 the early Trails is now like the CEO of Falcom. So th- there has been a bit of a trailsification of East. I, I I feel. And while the East games are still good, and I still prefer them to the Trails games because I, I just think that uh, their action and dungeon design are, are really great. I, I, it, I My ideal East game is a little bit closer to the center of that uh, of that spectrum. Yeah, I can see that. I'll probably check this out at some point. It's on sale.
1: It's a good game. I liked it more than when I played um, Trails of Cold Steel 4, which kind of burned me out a little bit. <laughs>
0: If if you play too many trails games in a row, you will get burned out because those yes. games those games a lot are mostly really good, but they they uh there's a lot of reading and a lot of and a lot of back and forth and they can wear down on you a little bit. But uh, uh Audrey you and I talked about East on some podcasts earlier this year. Uh yeah. w- when we both played East Origin, um how do you think East Nine compares to the other East games of the 2000s and 2010s?
1: Oh, um it's not as good as East Origin, but I actually still enjoyed it. I haven't played the um, eighth game yet, so I don't quite know how I'd stack it up with that one. I'd probably say I liked it maybe slightly more than Memories of Celcida.
0: I'm. I think I'm mostly with you. Uh, I think East Nine is very similar to East Eight in terms of the uh, of the tone and the and the gameplay design. So people that liked eight will probably like nine a lot, and 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 I liked eight, but my my peak East I guess is that late two thousands Felghana Origin Seven, like those are my three favorites, and they all came out around the same time, uh, and the games the game came after are are good, but not exactly what I want out of East. So East nine was really good i enjoyed my time with it i'm glad i had the opportunity to review it but i i don't think it's in my it, it cracks the uh my my top tier of favorite east but it is worth playing and if you and if you haven't played it yet and you want some east in your life this is uh east nine is a very uh a very viable path to take so uh that was my thoughts on east nine uh peter what was one game in 2021 that you really enjoyed
3: yeah so um I want to talk a little bit um, about uh, Pokemon uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, if that's okay. Uh, so these are the uh, remakes of the Generation 4 of Pokemon, which is were originally released on the Nintendo DS in 2006, I want to say. Um, and uh, is, we're sort of announced um, alongside um, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is looking to be something of a of an evolution of the Pokemon series a bit. Um Brilliant Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are definitely not that. Um uh, I actually would go so far to say that they are the most bare bones remakes of any of the Pokemon remakes so far. Um and that and I am including the Let's Go duology in that because at least the Let's Go games had like that nifty control scheme that they were kind of marketed around.
0: So, so these were maybe too faithful or at least uh, not different enough so as to make them less interesting.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, so th- th- these, this company, th- this, these games were outsourced to a different companies. So these weren't developed in-house by game freak. And the directive with them seems to have been make them as faithful to the originals as possible. And they have done so to a fault. Um, now I have now, and in the spirit of full disclosure I haven't actually played Diamond and Pearl the originals. Um I I oh. skipped, I skipped Gen 4 entirely cuz they came out while I was in high school and was going through my too cool for Pokemon phase Ron Howard voice. He was not in fact too cool for Pokemon.
0: That is exactly <laughs> me with the Generation 3 games. I uh, I didn't I didn't play uh Ruby Sapphire Emerald until after I played Diamond and Pearl. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
3: Right. So, I mean, and and like I eventually got back into Pokemon and really liked it, but so playing through Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl as a newcomer, it's like, okay, this is still a pretty okay set of Pokemon games. I actually quite like the art style they went with, um, where it's kind of chibi and top down. It kind of reminds me of the Link's Awakening uh, remake that came out a couple years ago, although it's nowhere near as, um, involved as those games. Um, But um, from what I can gather, these remakes are very, very faithful to the original Diamond and Pearl, to the point that they don't implement fixes and balance tweaks that were later made in Platinum version. Um, Gym leader, like the gym leaders' teams, uh, what wild Pokemon you can encounter, some of this has been added into an optional area. You can access the Grand Underground. Um, and they did really revamp the um, Elite Four and Cynthia are like very hard still. Um, they gave them really good hold items and really good team composition um, and um, EV properly EV trained Pokemon. So they are actually a fair challenge. Yeah, but, Cynthia,
0: um, I remember being maybe the hardest story mode champion in any Pokemon game. And if, if they gave if, if they gave her like EV values, that only makes her even more brutal.
3: They did, and they gave the Garchomp a berry that makes it resistant to ice attacks.
0: Oh jeez. So, that's that that's how you kill that Garchomp, though.
3: That yep, it is it is mean. <laughs> <laughs> um but but really other than that though, like outside of what is in the base, the original games. There's not that much else to Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, and because of um, and, and perhaps because of the new art, the art style being very close approximations to the old art, um, it doesn't feel like as much of a modernization as something like Heart Gold and Soul Silver or Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which felt like we're going to take the old framework and make it look like the modern games, um. I actually find it very interesting that every Pokemon game on the switch has a completely different art style. Um, there's just something about that that I find very amusing. But um, so, yeah, in gen- in general, it's one of those things where it's like, I did not hate these games. I think that they are enjoyable. And if you are a big fan of Pokemon or Generation 4 in particular, there is definitely something to enjoy. If you haven't played Gen 4 at all, like me, then, they, you know, at the very least, it's like, oh, hey, this is more Pokemon but it's it's they could have done more with them and i'm gonna be i think i'm way more excited for pokemon legends arceus at the end of january to like really uh hopefully sink my teeth into a pokemon game again i don't really feel like i'm gonna go back to this one now that i've beaten it once
0: well all right and uh, I, i guess we alluded to this earlier but peter i almost come from a very different perspective from you. Um, uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl was what got me back into the Pokemon games. Because uh, I, I, I played Gold and Silver, I, I guess, when they came out in 99 or 2000. Then I took a long break from Pokemon of five or six years. And then uh, and, and, and then got into Diamond and Pearl because I had just gotten a DS. And I had just started a job that had me um, solitary at in the middle of the night for, uh, for long hours. I, I, was a, I was a night watchman, in fact. And also, it was the first Pokemon game that had online trading and battling, so I, I could I actually talked to some of my online friends for the first time ever, uh, hearing their voices when we were when we were trading Pokemon in Diamond and Pearl. So I, I have I have weird nostalgia for it, and also I, I just liked playing stuff on the DS because it was it was new and exciting and cool, and I love a lot of DS games. So I, I have a fair amount of positive nostalgia for Diamond and Pearl. And I really enjoyed the Heart Gold and um, uh, se- excuse me, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sa- Sapphire remakes. So I'm a little disappointed that if this is just a faithful remake, I I might have more value in just playing my old file of Diamond again. Uh, but it, I guess that might be expected if if they contracted this particular remake out. Yeah, it's
3: like I think even I, I I'm not I'm not on the uh, the side of people who are like. Who automatically hate everything that that about new Pokemon because I think that's a little disingenuous. But um, this, it's just, it, it, I feel like it's just hard to be very enthusiastic about them beyond the oh, this is Pokemon again. Pokemon is fun, and uh, there, there's and there's still fun to be had. There's still things that I like about this game. Um, I do like the um, the the expanded the Grand Underground is kind of expanded and makes it. Um, where you can go down and um, dig for treasures with other players, and that's actually where they added in some of the Pokemon that were added in the, the Platinum decks. Um, so it makes it easier to get better Fire types early on, for example, like uh, like that. So that's where I, I caught a
0: Magby early on. That's right. There, there's hardly any Fire types in uh in in Diamond and Pearl. Like if you, if you didn't pick Chimchar as your starter, like you couldn't get a Fire type until Ponyta at level 35 or something.
3: Yeah, no, exactly. And, and unless you're engaging with the underground content, that is still very much the case here. Um, Piplup team for life, baby. And they, and they have like a few things like, uh, okay, optional costumes. Um, those are fun to decorate your, to, for your trainer in. Uh, Pokemon. Um, they, have, they make it so that you're, you, you're, you can have your lead Pokemon follow you again. Although the way that is implemented in the three, 3D games is really quite odd. Um, And I feel like they should stop putting, including it as a feature until they actually feel like putting some effort into it. Like um, some of the 3d models for um, the way they scale with your chibi trainer looks really weird. Like how like, Oh, Dialga and Palkia are now about as tall as this 10 year old child. Or um, the Ekans animation is like, it doesn't, it, it just, it stays coiled up and just kind of scoots behind you it doesn't slither it just looks so unintentionally funny um and it's just one of those things where it's like if you're it's one of those features where i'm just like if you were going to do it like this why did you bother doing it um i don't know there's there's this series has had some weird growing pains into 3d and it feels weird to me that they still haven't figured some of this stuff out (laughs)
0: Me, who's a somewhat casual Pokemon fan, I don't always get 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 the games right when they come out. Uh, I I haven't played Let's Go Eevee or uh, or Pikachu yet, but I have have played Sword and Shield. Um, If I were to get a new Pokemon game in 2022, should I grab Let's Go Eevee or Brilliant Diamond or wait for the Arceus games?
3: I I actually think the let's go games are very cute. Um, um, if if you're, if you're in the mood for, uh, to play gen one again, but with some rather, uh, with, 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 even with simpler mechanics and some, and some pretty fun little add ons. Um, I think those games are actually worth playing still. Plus you can, plus you can actually ride a Snorlax by holding onto its belly. And that is the best thing ever. um, uh but other than that though honestly at this point my my mo with pokemon seems to be wait for legends arceus because i'm like i'm looking or arceus because looking at everything about that game makes it look like oh this is where the effort's gone
0: legends looks pretty wild we talked about that a little bit on the most recent re- episode of random
3: yeah i was gonna say
2: that uh it look it, hopefully it's come a long way since it's a reveal trailer um but if they pull it off and i think they have to pull it off i think it'll be something special the thing that strikes me about uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl is that the name is very apt. It just seems like they they literally polished diamond and pearl, but they didn't add anything. They didn't remake anything. They just shined it up a little bit. Um, I uh, I realized that I uh, screwed up. I said this was on GBA on
3: random a few weeks ago. It's actually a yeah. DS game. Whoops. Right. It's uh, It's all good. I mean the the it the. Uh, w- it's uh they were it was a very transitional period for that series yeah
0: and they ended up having a bunch of pokemon games on the ds so they uh this was they this was their first go at it and i i don't think the original diamond and pearl are held in the highest esteem by the pokemon community uh i i probably like them more than more than the average player I mean it was gonna get remade eventually and it's I guess it's a little disappointing that the remake the remake was a little rote compared to uh Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which I thought was quite good and and, and it and improved my esteem of Gen 3, honestly. Yeah, I you know it's definitely a missed opportunity to take take what
3: was there and improve it. Um but yeah, instead, like you said, Jonah, they kind of took what was there and spit shined it a little bit.
0: All right, so that was Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh Audra, you haven't gone yet. What's uh, one uh, 2021 game you really liked and would like to discuss?
1: I loved um, The Veil, Shadow of the Crown, which was an audio RPG, actually. So it um, placed players in the role of Alex, a blind princess, who ends up getting separated from her retinue on a journey and, I mean, just the way they handled the battle system and... Going through towns and everything and having you literally take on the role of her, of a, someone who is vision impaired was just, I thought it was really brilliantly done.
0: I remember it's you talking about this on uh, an episode of random or, 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 or some, or at least someone talking about it on an episode of no, random. It was, it was, was odd that, or, and it was random. I had such a good, that was an incredible conversation. Yeah. It, it sounded really intriguing. And it, 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 is it uh, set up in a way that if someone truly was uh, visually impaired, that they could probably play this game without without great difficulty?
1: Yes, it's actually all pretty much audio. There's really no graphics to speak of, just kind of specks of light that'll occasionally intermit go through a black screen. It's m- meant to help people kind of understand how it feels to be, I think, visually impaired. But also, I mean, people who are can just absolutely just get into the game and play it right away
0: uh like for accessibility reasons that's hugely impressive but the uh but the story itself and the narrative itself was uh like did keep you riveted the whole time
1: yes it was a great story the voice acting was great the plot twists were actually quite well done i thought i loved the characters and alex in particular is just a strong heroine ended up being a surprisingly it was it's a very it's very much a traditional rpg but done in such a different way that it really sticks with you
0: now uh in the very early days of visual novels uh more than 25 years ago there's a pretty legendary saturn game called machi that uh was described as a sound novel where uh, basically just by navigating conversations and only the and and with only somewhat bare bones visual cues th- that um b- b- do you navigate the game that that has multiple endings and uh, and multiple pathways and it, it, it it's not a game that is maybe as ideally de- devised for the blind as uh veil shadow of the crown is but when i remember when i was listening to that episode of uh, random encounter months ago and i'm thinking oh this this is like an old school sound novel isn't it and uh, a lot of the people that made machi ended up uh, working on a on a visual novel from uh, that, uh several years later called 428 shibuya scramble that that was a uh, that was made with a with a, a similar design ethos and is also very well received but a game that is like so focused on sound and video games being such a visual medium i mean they they have video right in the name there is so impressive and so intriguing that i i think i instantly added shadow of the crown to my wish list (laughs) i added i added it like right after listening to that episode and the fact that it has this awesome concept and you know makes a real stride in video game accessibility or or at least is a, a a strong bullet point in the in uh in in that path and is this good is an incredible achievement. Um, uh uh John or Peter, have you, have you played this game yet? Cuz I I have not sadly. No, it's on my wish list though,
2: just like you. And uh I don't know if it's on sale right now or not, but it might just be and incidentally good time for everything we talk about today, there's a good chance that it's on sale right now cuz oh, yeah, sale is on until the 5th.
0: Every so. sing, every single marketplace has um uh, has a sale going on until January 5th. And even though we are uh we are recording this In the advent of these sales, it is before it is before January 5th. So a lot of the stuff we talk about probably will be on sale. Yep. is on sale right now. Ooh, it's 35% off. That's not bad.
1: Hmm. No, that isn't.
0: I'll have to to look at my budgeting spreadsheet later today and see how much I can spend on Mm -hmm. video games guilt free.
1: I mean, I was just impressed with it because I thought for sure it was going to be more of like a visual. uh, Well, not a visual, a sound novel and they really add so much gameplay to it there's combat there's aiming and archery it's really well done just a solid all-around traditional rpg that just happens to be not relying on
0: graphics really peter do you have any experience with the veil
3: no i don't but it sounds fascinating like yeah i'm I'm definitely down to try it, it uh the way you're describing it makes it sound really interesting it's a
1: good game.
0: Yeah. On, on steam, the reviews are very positive. Your review for the site earlier this year was also very positive. Uh, I, I probably should just bite the bullet and get the game now and make it, make it one of my early 2022 targets. The thing that catches my attention about it is that it's not just like,
2: obviously it would be an interesting experience playing this, uh, playing this game and not having any visuals because video games are traditionally reliant on them. Um, it's not just the experience though. It sounds like from what you've said, it's a genuinely good game.
1: Yes. It's just a it's a solid all-around RPG. Yeah.
0: All right, but we still have at least a couple more solid all-around RPGs to talk about before we shut the door on 2021. Uh J-Jana, what's your next game the next game you want to discuss?
2: Yeah, uh there's a game one of the games I played this year was probably my most uh, the best point-and-click adventure game I played this year, and a culmination of something that started uh, in 2019, uh, 19, I think. Uh, for me, was the Grace, Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Um, Mike, we did a uh, we did a spoiler cast about this, and that was a that was a fun one. With Nikki was on it too. Um, and the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is a prequel to uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Um, it takes place uh, at the very end very end or very of the 19th century
0: very very beginning of the 20th
2: century the timeline is a little bit fuzzy
0: i um, i think we can pinpoint it though because uh um uh, uh, what's his name uh i, I, th- I think it's sosuke koseki yes oh yeah. yes the i'm a cat yeah yeah well no no um he he did spend a, about two years in the united kingdom uh studying english lit- literature and those two years i think were 1901 and 1902 okay so, it's, it's, so it's, it's in one of those two years. Yeah. So it's in the very beginning
2: of it. But then again, I am a cat according to this was published in uh, 1905. And the first case in the second game has the book being published. Um, but anyway, regardless, it takes place uh, in uh, Japan and uh, England uh, in the very beginning of the 20th century and uh, features one of Phoenix Wright's ancestors who is also a attorney of sorts. A, a student, a, a law student of sorts. Uh, I'm not going to get deep into the plot. We have an entire spoiler cast about it, uh, if you'd like to hear that. But as a fan of the Ace Attorney series, uh, this game was wonderful. It had references uh, to the originals, but nothing that made it like, uh, nothing that made the originals necessary to play this. It's a perfect jumping on point for this series. Uh, it's, I think it's a beautiful game. There are some wonderful designs, some great uh some great suspects and uh and victims and criminals uh it's very funny in places touching heartbreaking really takes some big big swings and chances when it comes to the plot and uh certain kind of characters and i uh i it was one of my favorite experiences of 2021 was playing this game but one of the reasons why it was so satisfying to me is because i there was a fan translation of the first it's two games and there was a fan translation of the first released uh, a few years ago and i bought a copy of the of the first uh, ace attorney uh, ace attorney or the great ace attorney uh for ds 3ds and i i installed the patch and i played it and i reviewed it for the site it was actually a pretty darn good translation but there was no way to play the second So for a long, long time, I had no way of playing the second game. So I was avoiding spoilers constantly because I didn't want it to be ruined for me. So it was like a really, really good sense of relief when I got the second game and the mysteries were answered and they were very satisfying. So yeah, I I highly recommend this package. It's two very, very long uh, visual novels, uh, well worth every cent. Uh, you can play it on, I think it's on Switch. It's on everything, isn't it?
0: Uh, it's on basically everything, yeah. The the three major consoles and PC.
2: Yeah, so if you were ever heard about the Ace Attorney series and you looked at the, there are six mainline uh, entries and two spinoffs, um, and you were like, that's a lot. This is a perfect place to jump on because you need no knowledge at all to be able to get into the gameplay and the style of investigation and just really a solid probably the best adventure game I played this year uh,
0: a, a couple things I first of all I made a mistake the uh the author I was thinking of was Sose- Soseki Natsume I, re- I realized I had his name wrong about two seconds after I uh said something else a few minutes ago uh, but, but but um but Soseki Natsume was in the UK in 1901 and 1902 so that's probably around when the game takes place hmm. um but also, there uh, this game does reference the times a little bit because it, it takes place. Uh, there's a few cases in Japan, but most of the action takes place in Victorian England, and uh, and one of the major characters is a Sherlock Holmes facsimile called named Herlock Sholmes, and they and Herlock Sholmes is also the name used for a fake version of Sherlock in the. Uh, in the uh, um, uh, Maurice Leblanc uh, Lupin, Lupin novels, 30, yeah. Uh, yeah, around uh, from a few years before then, so like there's, th- there are a lot of references to the, uh, to a lot of the original Holmes novels and short stories. There's references to Natsume's "I Am a Cat," uh, with which which you know he became a famous novelist in Japan after after spending time in in the UK. But he has a cat named Wagahai in uh, in in the. Uh, in in great ace attorney and um the, the reason that morgana uses weird Wagahai pronouns in persona five is because of the novel i am a cat <laughs> um but and and uh, and things like one of the early cases is called uh is called the speckled band and there's a famous sherlock holmes short story called adventure of the speckled band in the sherlock holmes story uh the murderer basically sneaks a snake through a uh, through event to commit murder but in the uh it, in great ace attorney chronicles someone does have a snake go through a, venti- a a ventilation duct but it um but but it's not really um how the murder took place it's a it's a red herring so like so to, like taking concepts from holmes and natsume and all of these things and and may having them be references but not recreations and uh and having so many references to the later ace attorney games where a lot of characters are obvious uh, uh, analogs or ancestors of some of those characters. and uh, But also just even if you don't understand any of those, being one of the best Ace Attorney stories ever made mm-hmm. is is so remarkable. Uh, I, I, I'm going to avoid spoilers. If you want to l- listen to spoilers about this game, check out the spoiler cast that Jono mentioned. But maybe my favorite story moment of any game this year was a certain scene involving tap dancing. And when... <laughs> so satisfying when the tap dancing was taking place and i was realizing everything that it meant and it it, you know it put different parts of the game into 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 a new context it's like oh this and this actually happened and this and this actually happened tears came to my eyes it is i cannot undersell how much i love this tap dancing scene and i've listened to the music (laughs) from that scene over and over on youtube in the past three months or so Oh, this game has a hell of a soundtrack. Uh, oh, it. the soundtrack is good. This is maybe it's it's maybe the best Ace Attorney soundtrack. It's a it's it, it's it's a rich soundscape, which has a lot to do with it being you know just just being on more modern hardware than the older Ace Attorney games. But it's it's just a, a banger of a soundtrack. Like it, if you are an Ace Attorney veteran or an Ace Attorney newcomer, this comes highly recommended. It is just awesome, and I, I really feel your pain for uh, having. To deal with that cliffhanger for several years, John. Oh, it reminds me of when I played uh, Trails in the Sky first chapter in 2011, and 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 couldn't play Trails in the Sky second chapter until 2015 or 16. That's a pain, well known by Trails fans. I know. Oh yes, yes. I I only felt it really strongly between Sky One and Two because I got into the other Trails games late. Um, but that that wait was was devastating because it ends it ends on a major cliffhanger. uh, Sky One does, but. I, I think that you really need to think of these two games together as a full narrative, and um, the second mm-hmm. game, uh, Resolve, I, I think, is overall better and more satisfying than the first game uh,
2: adventure. But I 100% agree. Uh, that was my biggest complaint when I reviewed the first game was every other Ace Attorney game. It's uh, there are points that carry over, and you know, character arcs and things like that. But mostly, uh, a mystery is introduced in the second chapter or the second case and then there are threads that carry over to the last case but you get a satisfying conclusion uh in this game it's the first game is entirely set up like there's there's not a whole lot of resolutions in the first game it takes the second game to uh make so everything makes sense and it drives you crazy if you just if you're stuck at the end of the first game
0: yeah they start like five of those story threads in the first game and only really tie up one of them uh just so it has something to end end on in the first game but in the second game closes all of those doors and is and is a way more satisfying experience overall but but thankfully you don't have to worry about that with this because ace attorney chronicle the great ace attorney chronicles has both games so yep it's chronicles plural not not one and and i think it was uh it it released not at a full 60 or 70 i think i think my switch copy was 40 bucks so say 20 dollars each for these two games brand new uh was a hell of a deal it's a good value
1: yeah, I have. It's on my backlog. I have a copy of it for the Switch. I really want to try playing it one day.
0: Oh, have you played um, any of the other Ace Attorney games? Audra?
1: Yes, I've played all of them.
0: Oh, excellent! Then you, yeah, you definitely yeah, you should probably. To yeah, definitely. except the
1: mm-hmm. Second Investigations. Yeah, I need to stop. But obviously,
2: <laughs>
0: I played it. There's a really good fan translation of it. Yeah, but no, officially, that game is stuck in Japan. But um, but you, but if you uh, if you search around a little bit on the internet, you can find a good fan translation.
2: Yes, I've got to stop. Assi- I've got to stop giving you uh, review assignments so you can play Ace Attorney <laughs> Chronicles.
0: No, I wouldn't do that.
1: I'll get to it eventually one day.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Peter, do you have thoughts on Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, or should I get to a, a, a different Capcom game that captivated me in 2021? I,
3: I do not have thoughts on the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. It sounds really fun, though. Um, I haven't played any of these games, so I don't really know where to where to jump in.
0: I mean, either jump in with game one or with great ace attorney chronicles. That, that that's my recommendation. Because oh, uh, all, right. all right. Um I, I'm not sure there's a single ace attorney game I dislike. I mean, some are stronger than or weaker than others, of course. But Ace Attorney One and Great Ace Attorney Chronicles are two uh get two giant thumbs up from me. Alright then. And my two giant thumbs up probably experience the most cramps and and pain playing a certain other Capcom game this year. Uh, Jono very specifically mentioned that his game of the year was the Forgotten City. I'm just going to jump into my game of the year. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise for the Nintendo Switch is, I I, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's a, it's revelatory. Like it, it is a monster hunter game that hits the notes and the gameplay loop of older monster hunter games, but it does so many new small things that make, the monster hunter formula that i already love so much better that i think from from character creation to closing credits this is my favorite monster hunter experience even though i only played it for a mere 180 hours instead of 300 hours uh i i know those numbers sound insane if you're not a monster hunter player or or especially if you're not a video game player but That was a legit complaint some fans have like this game is this game stinks. I beat the game. I beat the story in 100 hours and I only had another 100 hours afterwards. It's like it's like listen to yourself, man. But Monster Hunter games are known for having um, this very extended gameplay loop where you hunt monsters. The monsters are always bigger and faster than you. So you have to use strategy and planning and, and execution to take them down. Then you, uh, w- with the, the parts of the hunted monsters, you give yourself stronger weapons and, ar- and armor, then you hunt bigger and stronger and faster monsters. And this is one of those, but they get, they, they remove some of the tedium of monster hunter and add a couple new things. Uh, th- there's less preparation you have to do. You no longer have to, uh, uh, carry around extra wet stones. You automatically have one in your pouch. You don't have to use hot drinks and cold drinks to enter cold and hot areas, you, you don't have to search for tracks for the monsters to get them on your map. You you basically you send out an owl that uh, keeps track of the monster for you the whole time. And speaking of animal companions, the Monster Hunter games have always had uh, 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 cats uh, that, that assist you. They're, the species are called felines, but the ones that help you in battle are called palicos. And palicos can set traps and heal and heal you and uh, and give you small attack or defense boosts and do a lot of nice little things. But Monster Hunter Rise introduces a second kind of animal companion called palamutes uh, and palamutes are huge cool dogs that are your noble steeds in battle you can uh they can ha- have you run around uh with inf- at double speed with infinite stamina and they can also attack monsters in battle for you and uh, and leap across larger areas than you can jump uh, when you're when you're riding them and having palamutes. Just makes and, and and having fewer things to do in preparation just makes everything about the monster hunter experience faster. You aren't screwing around in maps for like ten or fifteen minutes before you actually find the monster. If you, you can spend exactly how much time you want in in the monster hunter, huge beautiful hunting zones, tracking them down or gathering uh, stat boosts in the form of small of small birds, gathering plants or mining ore make it, it instead of the hunter being sort of lost before they can get to hunting, the hunter has more agency than ever. And uh and then you get into the other big change that they made, wire bugs. Basically you have these little firefly looking bugs that can that have uh that you can throw out and and like use their uh use the bugs and the silk that they secrete as grappling hooks. So uh you get Spider-Man powers to grapple around areas. And every weapon, and again, Monster Hunter has fourteen different weapons that all play totally differently. Every weapon has three or four special um, silk bind moves that are basically like grappling, uh, grappling hook assisted super moves. So it, it, it's yes, it's another Monster Hunter game, but it is about as good as Monster Hunter gets. I even like the the village and characters. Um, uh even though monster hunter characterization has never been terribly strong uh like like, this is a this this japanese-ish village is something that i really grew attached to over the course of of hunting dozens and dozens of monsters and the, the monster selection is really good there's a bunch of my favorites from previous games about uh i think it's between i think it's around uh 45 to 50 total uh, which is less than recent Monster Hunter games, but that's because Rise hasn't had its exp- its expansion yet, of course. But uh, all of the new monsters that they introduced are based on Japanese yokai and also a real world animal. So, like, so like the the Tetranodon is this big, uh, like half turtle, half platypus looking thing. That, that that pushes you around with sumo moves. It's based on a Japanese kappa. Incorporates uh, a real world platypus and turtle, but is a but is classified as a monster hunter amphibian, similar to uh, 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 older monsters like Tetranodon, like, like, like Tetsukabra I mean, and uh, the signature monster, Magnamalo, resembles a, a real world tiger. Has uh, is is based on a Japanese folk tale about a uh, about a, an uninhabited um, suit of samurai armor. That's a uh, that that's that's um, visited hell before. So, like Magnamalo is this weird samurai armor tiger with a spear for a tail that casts hellfire and willow the wisps around. It's crazy. These monster designs are wild. And the, the the portable Monster Hunter team that made you know generations and the PSP games is always a little bit more fantasy oriented than the Monster Hunter main series team that made World and Four and Four Ultimate and Try. So, like, so th- this really is. A little bit more outlandish and let and 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 you're really hunting fantasy monsters and not things that could be real world dinosaurs in uh in monster hunter rise versus world but i had so much fun with it and love all the designs in it and i'm going to be playing this game forever or at least until the next monster hunter chapter comes out so thank you for my uh for allowing me to monologue about this thing for four solid minutes um hey it's your show yeah do do any of y'all have any thoughts about monster hunter rise in particular or monster hunter in general because it 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 is beyond a shadow of a doubt my game of the year
1: i loved monster hunter stories so i was really curious about the sequel to that
0: i have not i have not played either of the stories games because i i guess to me monster hunter is about hunting and not and not rpgs but but i i had i have heard that both of the monster hunter stories games are really good and uh, the first one came out on 3DS several years ago, but uh, mm-hmm. we, we, it, it did get a sequel on Switch this year.
1: Yeah, I've been curious about that one too. But Rise looks really good as well.
0: Uh,
2: I've never really had any interest in playing these games except for your passion for them and the fact that we do tend to like uh, certain games like we Ace Attorney, Yakuza. Uh, it seems to me that there are certain kinds of games where you and I tend to be on the same wavelength so whenever I hear you passionately talk about Monster Hunter, I think, ah, crap. I'd probably like it a lot. I should probably play it.
0: I, I should mention the one of the big sells of Monster Hunter to me is that uh, my best friend, whom I've been playing video games with for more than 25 years, uh, I-, I play every Monster Hunter game with him. And these games are, at their core, uh, multiplayer co-op action RPGs. Hmm so if if and and like every time i've tried a souls game i'm like I've, I've always thought to myself oh this is like these canned animations and these deliberate movements are very are very monster hunter to me a a, a medium paced action game that has really good uh multiplayer co-op is the is the big sell here huh. but also i i love the world design and monster design yeah uh Usually, when I hear like
2: someone passionately talk about a game, even though I, if I know it's not something that I'm into, I kind of want to give it a shot. Um, and uh, yeah, you do a hell of a job selling these games. So maybe at some point I will give them a shot. And Jono, uh, one additional
0: thing, uh, maybe uh, here comes uh, you, the kill shot. You you, you, <laughs> you do get to uh, design your own character for these games. I, I've I've had I um you know I've played several Monster Hunter games over the years. Sometimes I decide like. Uh, I decide I want to be a, a man. Sometimes I decide I want to be a woman for my, my hunter for that particular series. Um, but also you do get to design your starting Palico and Palamute. So I'm thinking you could just hand the controller to Amanda, say, Hey, uh, Amanda, I I get a kitty in this game. Can you, do you want to um, design the, the, the kitty's name and features and color and everything, everything. And then just and then just let her handle all of the Palico related business.
2: Slow seat. I swear to God, I just finished uh, Spider Man Miles Morales uh, yesterday or the day before that, and uh, the mission where you get Spider Man the cat, I called her in <laughs> and was like, "It's a kitty," and she was very excited about the kitty. Um, so yeah, you uh, you've hit upon a very interesting point there. I remember I have to consider.
0: I remember a couple of years ago we podcasted about Ghost Trick and uh and amanda oh, yeah, uh, amanda had uh, a lot of thoughts about the cat about the um the, the uh, cat in that yeah, game yes. the, the cat in that game yeah exactly and uh, uh yes. so, so i guess Cap- <laughs> capcom is just great with cats aren't they, they capcom. They've had, yeah they've had uh they've had cats feature in all of the games we've discussed today yeah they have a good history of uh video game cats so yeah and 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 monster Hunter rise has great video game cats but they but introducing these new video game dogs and owls was is the real game changer here i uh like uh, uh, palomutes are only in rise for now because again it's 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 the 2021 monster game but if the next one doesn't have palomutes in it i'll be really disappointed because they are they are now crucial to the monster hunter experience for me (laughs) (laughs) it's something to think about and, and Audra, I think Palamutes are in Monster Hunter Stories 2, but they, they, they might be DLC or something. They, 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 they at least cameo. But I, oh. I, I haven't played uh, Stories 1 or 2, so I'd have to... Although I have pitched it for Retro Encounter before, just, just no one else seemed interested.
1: <laughs> oh, I'd definitely be interested if Monster Hunter Stories 2 gets...
0: Well, I mean, stories two is a little new. I, th- I think I think I suggested stories one for an episode a, a while ago, uh, oh. may- may- maybe over a year ago, but it, um, n- no one voted for it.
1: Oh, that's a fun game.
0: But uh, Monster Hunter Rise comes highly recommended. Peter, you were on a Monster Hunter episode with me about half a year ago, because I, yeah, I think you. Yeah, I think you, uh, I I, I think I'm getting the personnel right. You and Dom were really excited to talk about Monster Hunter World, and I was excited to talk about Monster Hunter Rise. So we sort of combined those discussions into a Monster Hunter appreciation station. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, so I know you've played a bit of World. Are are you interested in in Rise?
3: Yeah, I mean, I have uh, acquired a copy through uh, (laughs) memes. Thank you, by the way, Mike. Um, You're welcome. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I am, I'm definitely going to give it a, going to give it a go. Um, I liked world a lot. I just never finished it. I, I fell off it a little bit cause I um, real life stuff came up, but I want to get back to it cause I was really enjoying it. And,
0: uh, and then I wasn't kidding when monster hunter games can be in the hundreds of hours. So not finishing the story of one of the big monster hunter games is is perfectly okay because that just means you didn't have a hundred hours to to burn.
3: Yeah, like I still think I put in like a pretty respectable amount before I put it down. But yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely want to try this one because the way you're describing it, and uh, definitely the dogs, like that is that is a, that is a very e- easy selling point.
2: Opening it up to dogs was a a brilliant point for them.
3: It's like we've already cornered the market on cat people. What's left? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and um, the Monster Hunter Portable team, their previous game Generations, gave you more cat stuff to do than any other previous Monster Hunter game. They 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 sort of expanded the role of the Palicos in a big way in Monster Hunter Generations, and uh, and uh, the 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 console team with World didn't do as much stuff with the cats. And now seeing Rise made by the Generations people. like giving you dogs and owls is like oh this is the monster hunter um team that loves animals and they know that people want their cats and dogs so (laughs) so they're they're not going to ignore them going forward but uh that's a lot of discussion of cats and dogs and monsters and owls and i do have another owl related game i want to discuss a little bit later but uh, uh peter um yeah, uh, it's your turn to talk about another game you liked in 2021 and it doesn't need to have cats or dogs in it but it is appreciated if you do go that direction
3: well it does have cats in it but uh the main the it main counts. point of, the main point of discussion here is bunnies bunny boys oh um final fantasy 14 final fantasy 14 and walker ladies and gentlemen it is here um if it is you can here. log in the servers, here. The, <laughs> yeah. the servers are overloaded um the 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 free trial memes were too strong there is no more free trial there they literally aren't selling the game anymore because it's too popular everyone go home
0: respectfully yeah. please go home and play something else
3: <laughs> yep yoshi p is yoshi p is begging you um Okay, but but for, for real though, I, in the spirit of full disclosure, I did not play a lot of new games this year because Final Fantasy XIV took over my life. Um, I played all of Stormblood and all of Shadowbringers this year, and so I could get um, be ready for Endwalker when it came out, and I made it just in the nick of time. I I squeaked in the end. The end of uh, Shadowbringers, I think, a week before Endwalker launched, and um, and I'm re- and the, I'm i been able I'm have not I haven't finished the new story content yet. I'm about halfway through, and I'll be mum on like specifics and spoilers since it is relatively fresh, and I know a lot of us. Oh yeah, I mean it was it yet. was it was,
0: a, it was a December release. I mean at the time of recording, mm-hmm. it's only been out a few weeks,
3: but uh, it is it is very good. Um, they have made a lot of tweaks and balances to the jobs, which is taking some adjustment for me, for someone who has gotten very, very used to their um, rotations um, in Shadowbringers era 14, um, suddenly having to... Oh, the, the um, Red, Red Mage can now cast, use their main combo twice, um, and the uh, mana costs have been cut in half but um their main ability but their main like ability is one of their main abilities has completely changed and i keep accidentally pressing the wrong button to activate it now um cuz i had to rearrange my hotbar that's throwing me off a little bit but in general um it's a whole bunch of really of really nice tweak of really nice tweaks the new jobs um sage and reaper are both very cool um reaper especially is just like like um, just a super edgy melee DPS, um, and they are very fun to put control. Um, uh, male Vieira have been added as a playable race, and that's been something people have been excited for for a long time.
0: But no, but no, fe- no female Hrothgar yet.
3: No female Hrothgar yet. No, mm-hmm. no, they haven't done that yet. Which is I want. Old- I want
0: some tiger ladies. Give me a tiger lady. I will. I I will use one of my Fantasians. For a tiger lady,
3: yeah, no, uh no, for sure. I think a lot of us will. <laughs> I, I, I did not, I did not change my character's race. My, um, I, I stayed as a as a mikote.
0: I am, I am also a mikote. I'm a, uh, I, I've been a male mikote since 2016, but I would, I would consider changing for a, a lion lady or tiger I have
1: lady. I'm a femro. Oh, nice. cool. Which is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, the, the, and again, I'm not going to get into specific details, but the story really is just like the culmination of a decade's worth of storytelling. Um, it, for people who've been playing this game, even like me, who've only been playing it for like about, for a couple years now, um, it feels just absolutely momentous. Um, it's, and, uh, and, they've, and they've just, this team has done such a great job of supporting this game. And turning it into I mean, there's a reason that the servers are overloaded with people trying to get in right now. Like they've they they honestly deserve the popularity that they've gotten. It, it is it is I can't recommend this game enough. It is easily my game of the year through virtue of it is the game I've been playing all year. Um and uh and uh I I just yeah Final Fantasy 14 continues to be excellent at being itself.
0: I I am currently on a break from Final Fantasy 14. I've talked about it on podcasts a lot this year. I apologize. We ha- we did 5 FF14 episodes on Retro Encounter in 2021 with a different panel for each one. Uh, uh shockingly. Let's see. I played an un- unbelievable amount of FF14 in 2019 and 2020. So I am in one of the end game patches or I should say post game patches after Shadowbringers. But uh, but haven't gone past that and Endwalker looks so good and has such a positive reception, and does some big, big moves for the FF14 story. Like you, uh, uh, Peter. We should avoid spoilers, but just looking at who the tr- some of the trial bosses are makes you think, "Oh my god, these are boss encounters that were, you know, major story players eight years ago." Kind of deals. Like you, you know where I'm coming from, right?
3: Yeah, no, I totally do. I I did the first trial yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so anyone who has an investment in the FF14 story will like will will immediately understand how big the stakes are for the story in uh, in Endwalker.
3: If all of the promotional material for Endwalker has indicated we are going to the moon and it is a very FF4 themed expansion.
0: Right, yeah, I remember.
3: There is a point in the game where you will be where you're on the moon and the main battle theme changes to the final fantasy four battle theme
0: oh that's cool
3: it's really cute i i was i was smiling like ear to ear are there are
0: there are there naming ways in the moon
3: there are naming ways in the moon
0: damn it i'm gonna relapse into ff14 addiction aren't i i am so glad that i cannot sign up for a free trial (laughs) (sighs)
3: There is there is no free trial up to level sixty, including the award winning Heavensward expansion pack. I'm exactly. sorry. Exactly. It is
0: it, it is so shocking how that became both an earnest pitch and a joke over the past couple years, and now they have to. And now we get the reverse of that joke. It is it is astounding how it's played out. It really is.
3: <laughs> they patched grapes. <laughs> I was. We were geeking. I was joking about this before we started recording, but there were these grapes in one of the zones that were like lower polygons than I had a lower polygon count than other f- models in the area because it was like a system memory thing. And and people were making memes about it, and so they patched the grapes. You madmen?
2: <laughs> because that's what needed
0: fixing.
3: I mean, you know, I I appreciate them being thorough. <laughs>
0: Do not ever, ever say that the Final Fantasy fourteen development team is uh, is not dedicated to their craft, because holy moly, they they have surprised me and shocked me over and over the the years I've been following FF fourteen.
3: Yeah, no, they absolutely have, and they they just like I said, I've said, I said earlier, they deserve all of the praise and all of the accolades that have come their way.
2: I said this on uh, random this week, and I think one of the reasons why. The outcry about this there's been disappointment and frustration, but it hasn't been angry like it would have like it was after like cyberpunk or other disasters of this level is because of the goodwill that this team has built over the last couple of years and actually caring about their player base and and uh it, it just goes to show that if you're a company who cares uh about your players you know you'll it can it can really pay off, and this
0: really has paid off for them and, and I think it helps that um that a lot of the difficulties that they're experiencing is not because of the quality of the game, just at the overwhelming volume of players. And it is because of the quality of the game, just in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's,
1: because it's so high quality.
0: Yeah, and, and, uh, and the fans are being very understanding because... First of all, they they love Yoshi P and this development team. And second, they're 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 like, yeah, I've been in queue for two and a half hours, but ah, FF14, right, baby? Like that's like it's 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 a it's a very odd scenario to observe because because again, I haven't um, I have not resubbed to uh, FF14 since the middle of last year, but it's it, it's a weird problem to have. But at, at least I am very happy that the game is good because I, I'm not sure. What gaming thing would make me like feel more secondhand secondhand sadness than if an FF14 thing was really bad? But thankfully, that's never happened.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it's never happened since Yoshi P took over. And incidentally, I find it really funny that error 2002, the uh, the error that was propping up, that was kicking people out of the queue, is actually because of some leftover 1.0 code that reared its ugly head. That they never oh, thought no. they'd have to deal with. Yeah, the ghost of 1.0
0: came back <laughs> at the, the real of villain. Spot. The
2: real villain of Final Fantasy fourteen.
0: <laughs> it, <laughs> <a> surprise. <laughs> yeah, they've been excising that code and, and trying to make FF 14 more of its own thing more and more over the years. But they they haven't it, it's amazing that they haven't ignored original 2010 ff14 either like the 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 heroes party from the opening cutscene of ff14 t- 2010 came back as the warriors of darkness in heaven's word <laughs> which is yeah, which my blows my mind a little bit yeah ff14 dedicated development team dedicated fan base they're going through a, re- a real weird time right now but at least the game is excellent yep so, Audra, unless you uh, want to talk about FF14 some more, which I'm not against exactly, uh, tell us about another 2021 game you loved.
1: Well, actually, it's a kind of an old, older game, but it's still, I guess, viable since it was released. The Legendary Edition of Mass Effect. Oh. Ooh. I really enjoyed playing the original trilogy. So, and I usually don't replay games a lot of the time, but I made an exception this once, and I do not regret it even though I pretty much kept everything the exact same way that I did it in the original trilogy <laughs> playthrough, <laughs> but it's just a really good series of games.
0: I, you know, I've done that sometimes uh, when I replay a game and I, I don't replay games as much nowadays as I did uh, several years ago. Like sometimes I go into the a game saying to myself, I am going to do make different choices and do different classes and play this game differently than I did last time, but then I ended up just playing the same way anyway because 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 I I was so in love with my first experience that I just want to recreate it. Yeah, I was extremely hype about Mass Effect when it was sort of in the middle of its original run. I think I played one and two like right after Mass Effect two came out, and then I bought into every single ounce of Mass Effect three hype and played that right uh, right when it released. And 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 just just really loved Mass Effect during its, uh, f- uh during the second half of its five year run or, or uh, exactly what what the numbers are, but uh and and I am interested in Legendary Edition because I have not revisited Mass Effect since 2012 or 2013, and I kind of would really like to. So uh so how was this run for uh through Mass Effect for you this time, Madra? Uh,
1: pretty excellent, actually. It just it reminded me of everything I liked about the original run through and just with kind of little tweaks and really really fun time i can't really say it changed all that much beyond that you can access like the dlc early on and
0: yeah and the way i played because i was mostly a playstation player 10 years ago uh i i played mass effect 1 on pc and then played 2 and 3 on playstation on, on ps3 but i had to to import my my choices from Mass Effect One to Two, I had to play their uh, their vid comic at the beginning of Mass Effect Two, and and that locked me out of a couple side quests that carry over from Mass Effect One to Two. But uh, all all of that is definitely now in Legendary Edition, so this is the complete way to play Mass Effect, no matter what platform you're on.
1: Yes, and it's just great. I love the carryover data and just how every little thing seems to have an impact.
0: Did you did you punch the reporter three times?
1: No, I was actually nice to the reporter.
0: Oh, so you're a, you're you're a Paragon only player then? Hmm, aren't you?
1: Most of the time, a little renegade sometimes. Okay, okay. But never with the reporter for some reason.
0: I, I I'm almost the opposite. I I probably play Paragon more than renegade, but I definitely punched that reporter at least twice.
1: <laughs> it's tempting
0: uh uh john or peter i'm not sure how much mass effect you've played in in every mass effect game a very pushy reporter <clears throat> interview interviews you based on your activities through the game but she is definitely trying to get a rise out of you and paint you in a negative light and you have a choice to and you have the choice to handle it diplomatically or punch her in the face and let me tell you there is some satisfaction in punching her in the face <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> But if you punch her in the face, you do get slightly. You your red meter slightly goes up, and if you handle it more gracefully, your blue meter slightly goes up. Yeah. And, and and she's the,
1: an asset, I believe, in the third game.
0: That's right. Yeah. In, yeah. in the third in the third game, uh, by completing quests and meeting people from previous games, you uh, you have things called assets, basically joining your army slash resistance movement. And and more assets means more points that give you more decision power at the end. Uh sorry for explaining or uh, mass over explaining Mass Effect. If there's one thing I'm guilty of in my life, it's over explaining stuff.
3: Oh, you're fine. Oh no, but, it's
0: good. But uh yeah, like Mass Effect was really a singular gaming experience when it was hot. And let's not talk about Mass Effect and but like but this tri- <laughs> this trilogy I think is like, like it's peak bioware. It's it's uh it it is both a great RPG and a great shooter although like exactly how much rpg and how much shooter is de- shooter it is depends on which game which game you're playing um and there's so many characters i love in mass effect like like a full ha- like like if you if i was talking to someone about mass effect 2 and we talked about who our favorite companion was if they said anyone but jacob i would be like oh yeah that that character's great totally worthy of a favorite <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep
0: J- J- Jacob is a is a boring is a boring shotgun boy, but everyone else in Mass Effect Two is an absolute A plus companion. He's there. That's, yeah, he that's... he is there. That that is true. Oh, Audra, come on. Who are your favorite companions? Like like one or two of them.
1: Oh, Garrus, Tali, awesome. Samara. Um,
0: mm, Samara, not Liara.
1: Jack, I do like Liara too, actually. I like all of them.
0: Oh, Jack! I I, I miss Jack. I wish Dang. I wish she, I wish she had a bigger role in Mass Effect Three. Yeah, she, she's she's amazing in Mass Effect Two. Oh man, I, I, my favorites are uh, pretty well established as uh, as Garrus, uh, Liara, and Morden. I think I I would play an entire I, I love
1: Morden. I would
0: play an entire game with just those three for a hundred hours. Yeah, and 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 there are human characters in Mass Effect, but uh, I think. None of the characters that Audra or my, I mentioned were human.
1: <laughs> I do like Kasumi.
0: Oh, yeah. Kas- so I guess
1: I could say.
0: Kasumi's cool. Miranda's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But part of the massive, the fun of Mass Effect is that you have a crazy menagerie of aliens as, your, as most of your companions. And the world that Bioware created... I should say the galaxy Bioware created with these different alien races and different cultures and different situations is wild. And now that there's a great way for uh, returning fans or new fans to play mass effect is exciting. I own the legendary edition. I did buy it when I got, I saw it on sale a couple months ago. Uh, I think I think it was 25 bucks or so no 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 regrets at all and and, but and I don't know when I'm gonna replay these games but when I do I know exactly how I can do it and that is exciting
1: yes I agree
0: uh John or Peter have you have you um dipped your toes into Mass Effect at all Uh, that that was a little bit of a two-sided conversation
2: Honestly, no. It's a uh, it's one of those blind spot series that I have, like Falcom games, for example. I just complete blind spot for me. However, because the entire trilogy is out and readily available, I should play it at some point. Absolutely, yeah, you should. It seems like the kind of game that I would very much enjoy. But I'm the host of Random Encounter, where we don't play
0: games. Also correct, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Peter. How how into Mass Effect are you, if at all?
3: I, I have never touched them, honestly. Um, for a while. <sighs> This is this might be this might be getting into personal anecdotes a little too much, but for a while there, I was very opposed to playing Western RPGs. Oh, um,
0: sure.
3: It was it was it was one of those weir- It was during that weird period where the gaming community was like, "Oh, JRPGs are dead," and I was very defensive of my hobbies because <laughs> you know I didn't have priorities or whatever. Um, now I'm a little more open to trying them, but there are too many games.
1: I can see that. It took me a while to actually play Mass Effect because of that too a little bit.
0: There are definitely too many games. But um if you if your sensibilities are firmly rooted in JRPGs, which is maybe the case for all four of us, uh Dragon Age and Mass Effect are really they have a lot of JRPG flavor cuz they're they are about uh, like collecting companions and and uh doing Performing a performance
1: mo- side quests yeah yeah
0: yeah doing a mostly linear main quest with an abundance of side quests like it was not hard for me as a GRPG person to jump into dragon age and mass effect in the late in the late 2000s early 2010s so yeah, plus it, i
3: am i am a big fan of space opera too so i feel like there's definitely stuff in mass effect that i would very much enjoy
0: yeah dude um, what are you doing then come on
3: <laughs> one of these days man there's too much stuff on my list <laughs>
0: literally one of these days straight to the moon
3: and one of these days i'm just i'm just gonna sit here and wish that star ocean was good that's gonna be what i do
0: (laughs) star ocean used to be good we even talked about it it.
3: did it really
0: yeah come on (laughs) i i have fond memories of the second story
2: hey 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 i believe it's one of our most anticipated games for 2022
3: uh, I, I am hoping that New Star Ocean is good. I was very pleasantly surprised when they announced it. Yeah, but, but, but I am it... not getting my hopes up. But are you is...
0: are you the last hoping?
3: <laughs> I we. Do not remind me of that game. I will have a PTSD flashback. I I, I,
0: I have not played Star Ocean The Last Hope, but I know better than to treat it with anything other than I, uh mock seriousness. I, like... I I i, I beat I beat it. <laughs> I played <laughs> all of it. Okay, you really are a JRPG fanatic because you've played I, Star Ocean The Last Hope but not, Mass, not Effect.
3: Mass Effect. Not Mass Effect.
0: <laughs> wrong space opera <laughs> yeah you really you really did lose the space opera lottery that time i really
3: did this this is what stubbornness gets you ladies and gentlemen
0: <laughs> okay uh, but i think it's definitely time to move on to, to talking about some other games uh Johnno, what, what's your uh uh last game of the on on the list for today
2: all right well i mean i was trying to figure out what to talk about like brave the default 2 is you know exceptional rpg uh lost yeah, Lost Judgment really does scratch that Yakuza itch, but I wanted to put a, a bit of a spotlight in a game I played earlier this year, uh, which didn't get a lot of press, and I'm not seeing on any like year-end lists or anything, but I got to be honest, I got so much out of it just in terms of uh, gameplay enjoyment, in terms of the story, in terms of the aesthetic. Uh, it's a game called Dreamscaper, and uh, it's a roguelike, action RPG roguelike, and uh, the whole central conceit is uh, you're young woman named Cassidy and every night when you uh, your head hits the pillow, you fall into a dream world where you have to fight uh, your nightmares uh, and fears and anxieties and uh, your past in many ways. And then when you wake up, you kind of have to go out into the, the normal world and forge ahead with your life and build relationships with people and try to improve uh, where you are in the world. And maybe it was just the fact that this was you know it was it came at the right time in the pandemic and i i was reflecting on uh what i what was going on in my early 20s and like exploring toronto uh as a younger man and uh meeting people and and building these long-lasting relationships i really identified with a lot of the game um it doesn't hurt the fact that you know it's 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 not a triple a level game uh but it has some beautiful graphic. It has some beautiful design. Uh, Each dream, each level in the dreamscape is uh, based on a different place in Cassidy's life. So her like rural hometown and the city where she moved to and like a campground. And it all has this kind of uh, realistic, but at the same time disjointed, uh, kind of broken up, uh, fading into the fog background kind of art style. There are no faces in this game. Everyone's faces is as blank. It, it, they, everyone looks like the question from uh, DC comics <laughs> or it's, a, and it's an action RPG roguelike. So if you've, if you played like Hades and stuff like that, you're going to be uh, familiar with how it plays a lot of upgrades uh, that you can get throughout the game. Um, every single time you you hit headed to the pillow, you start again from the first level. It's not the best action RPG I've ever played. It's not the best game I've played this year, but it's a game that I really deeply connected with. And many of its themes of isolation and isolating yourself, uh, especially after traumatic experiences, I think speak to what many of us have gone through in the last two years. Um, So that, plus the fact it plays really, really well. Uh, There's nothing wrong with it. I, I very much enjoyed it. I reviewed it for the site. I kept playing it after I reviewed it. And I think that I wish more people would play it because I think more people would enjoy it, especially
0: if they're looking for a pretty darn good roguelike. But uh, in concept, this is fascinating. But how action-y are the action parts of gameplay exactly? Like, 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 what does one loop feel like? Uh,
2: So one loop, you always... (laughs) You're you're every single... At the beginning of a loop, literally, your head hits the pillow... And in a beautiful piece of animation, actually, uh, Cassidy falls through the bed and kind of slowly descends into this dream world, which actually, it it feels a lot like falling asleep. Um, And you're always outside, you always start outside of your childhood home, and it's an overhead. So uh, it's an overhead, and there are usually four exits north, south, east, west. Um, You go in, there's usually a couple of different uh, monsters on a screen. You have a shield you have a uh, long distance, you have a long range attack, and you have your uh, sword weapon kind of thing. And so you have a lot of different choices to uh, fight uh, these enemies. You have to learn their patterns, uh, dodging, things like that. It's not it's not super, super hard. Obviously, it gets harder as you go deeper and deeper into your dreams, and things get more and more nightmarish the deeper you go into them uh, and distorted. But... Uh, the combat is pretty darn good, I have to admit. It's, uh, and it has, I'll tell you something else it has. It has a just a wonderful soundtrack. Um, beautiful, a guy named uh, Dale North uh, composed it, and I think it's a great soundtrack. Um, like I said, there's nothing about this game that it's not the game of the year, uh, but I do think it is an extremely strong uh, game and strong roguelike action RPG that didn't get a lot of attention just because circumstances, the year, but I identified with it strongly. And I think there's a lot of people who play would play through it and who would also identify with it strongly and uh, connect to it. It plays really well, and uh, I recommend it.
0: Awesome. Now, I, I was not really a roguelike guy for many years, but then I liked Hades so much that I i i, could, I completely tried to renegotiate my relationship with that genre and looked at a bunch of other popular roguelikes and wondered if I could get into them. It, it's, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm closer to trying Dead Cells and Rogue Legacy now that uh, I've enjoyed Hades. And I'm more interested in this than I would have been a year ago. But <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure how high it is on my priority list. Because of course, uh, what's that uh, evergreen mantra? There are too many games. There are always too many games. Although, frankly, Solosi, I mean, if you were if you
2: were going to play a roguelike, I would probably recommend 20XDX.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I am I am aware of how Mega Man that game is, which is probably it, why you're suggesting it. But uh
2: Exactly. It's just Mega Man X. It's it's a roguelike Mega Man X. It's I enjoyed it a lot. So I think you would too.
0: That does sound pretty alright. I gotta admit.
2: <laughs> and they have a sequel coming out, 30 XDX. Um and uh, I have played the early access and it's, it's very strong. It's, it's good. It does sound, uh,
0: that does sound 1000 better than 20 XDX. DX.
2: When the, I wouldn't play the early access, but when the full version comes out, I'm going to be playing it. I'll give I'll play it and I'll give you a heads up if I think that uh, it's worth a, it's worth a look. Um, but I think that, I think you'd like it. It's, it's Mega Man. It controls like Mega Man. It, it has all of the mechanics of Mega Man. It's just a roguelike version.
0: All right, so uh, Audra or Peter, do you know uh, much or have any experience with Dreamscaper?
1: I'd heard of it. It looks very interesting. But that's about my exposure to it at the moment.
0: Yeah,
2: I talked to the developers during... uh, I can't remember which... I can't remember which... The E3 month, the month of E3 um, that we got this year. And uh, they seem like really nice fellas. Um, And I think they put together a pretty darn good game. I look forward to seeing what they do next.
0: Alright, so Dreamscaper, that's a roguelike action game about jumping through into someone's dreams where everyone looks like the question. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure how close I am to playing that, but I'm gonna talk about a game that I'm very close to playing because I finished it and rolled credits on it less than twenty-four hours ago. Oof. Uh, so listeners if you want to fig- if you want to figure out exactly when this episode is recording you could probably check my twitter feed and figure this out um i just very recently beat tales of arise it is the first new tales game i have finished since tales of vesperia <laughs> which came out in 2008 and i played in probably 2010 or 11 and uh and and, and i did play tales of vesperia's remake in uh in in 2019 but so i have had a weird gap in tales in my personal history i i played uh six of them from the 90s or 2000s and then and then big film reel missing then tales of arise but let me tell you th- i had so much fun with this game it hits all of the tales notes i want it to hit and has a lot of modern conveniences and small changes that are very welcome uh like MP or or TP is a thing of the past in this game. You can basically just build a meter with your combos, and then spend one or between one and four combo points for your biggest moves. So you can use all of your coolest spells, um, basically every random battle if you want, just by just by how you time your combos a little bit. There is a dual tech, but for every pair of characters that you unlock by stunning an enemy, then hitting him enough times to get to get a free dual tech finishing move. Every character has over-limit super finishing moves that you can easily pull off every battle or so. Basically, all of my frustrations about losing TP in Tales of Vesperia or Tales of the Abyss and having to just fart around only using regular attacks for long stretches, all of that's gone. This is an improved version of the combo system from Grails, uh, Tales of Grace's F, which I've started but not really, fi- but not come even close to finished. And the combat... Feels incredibly good in this game that I never really got sick of it, except sometimes when boss encounters or elite uh, enemy random enemy encounters just lasted too long. Uh, This game has weird pacing issues because bosses are just complete mountains of HP. And sometimes I felt and sometimes it was a it was an individual real life stamina issue finishing a battle and not an end game stamina issue. Uh, um, There is still a stamina-like resource called CP that is only used for healing. So like you have a finite resource for your healing spells, but an infinite resource for all of your special moves and and attack spells. But that's enough about gameplay, uh, or uh, at least the combat, which I've talked about too much already. This game has just six really likable, great characters that feel different in combat and just hundreds of... Individual uh, uh, conversations co- called skits that are present in like comic book pan- presented in comic book panels and are fully voice acted that le- that get a- get a lot of mileage out of these characters. The story starts out pretty exciting and stays consistently interesting the way through. It does kind of devolve into alien demons, uh, creation of the world, undoing all of existence, kind of nonsense by the end. But for the most part, it is a game about. Um, an enslaved people rising up against uh, against their oppressors and uh, with each of the people in your party having personal goals in addition to trying to just 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 right the wrongs of the world that you live in and every time you go to a new area you have to confront that area's lord who is uh who is you know exploiting the uh, the enslaved in their in their zone in a different way it it uh it, like like the stakes the plot stakes are consistently interesting and the characters are consistently fun. They've even, they have like, they even made skill systems and side quests and cooking and fishing minigames interact with each other in really good ways. Like, like one character loves fishing so much that if you, the more you unlock in the, in the fishing minigame, the more skill trees she gains. And another character is so ravenous about food so much that she gets a, an entire skill tree dedicated to giving your stat bonuses when you've recently eaten a meal and uh like like there's, there's so many like like the character personalities show up in gameplay and uh and the side quest system is really good i i i did probably about half of the game's side quests and i kind of want to go back and do more of them is, is, is my attitude of finishing the game less than a day ago but this game just did everything at like a b plus or an a level so even my frustrations with it like how i think the boss battles are a little too a little too much and there's a lot of uh optional dlc for this game including things that will allow you to uh max out your level uh and 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 i don't like and it's it's not exactly pay to win but it's a it's a it has a twinge of pay to win that i do not that i don't enjoy at all but this is definitely the best tales game i've played since vesperia i might like it. It, it it is maybe near the top of my Personal Tales of Ranking now. Uh and it makes me want to go back and play some of the ones I've missed because I I I uh I frankly was a little sad that I haven't played a, a a new Tales game in a long time and uh this one was just just you know uh worked for me at multiple levels. It, it's great. It's a really really great Tales of game. Whether you've played zero Tales games or 10 Tales games, this is it, it comes highly recommended by me. So I, uh, this game came out fairly recently, I think in September, although I didn't get around to playing it until December. Uh, what are all y'all's thoughts on Tales of Arise, if any?
1: I want to play it. I have a copy for the PS5, but I haven't had a chance to open it yet, so hopefully. Yeah,
3: yeah, same. I, I don't own it yet, but it is on my to-do list for sure. Because um, I, 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 I haven't beaten a Tales game yet, but this one looks like exactly the kind of game I would really enjoy. I,
0: I cannot tell you how much I love that that uh, that running out of TP for your main attacking characters is a thing of the past. I, I cannot, because that was maybe the thing I like uh, the least about a few of my favorite older Tales games. <laughs> and Jono, oh, I know you've played Tales of Fantasia, but is is that the only one you've finished? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, 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 did I, have... I listened to the Tales of episode of random from a few months ago. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to I was about to say that I had a uh,
2: really really good conversation with uh, Wes and Steph uh, about the Tales series, and it was kind of a it was kind of a dive into the feature. So you want to get into the Tales series, uh, which I think that Wes and many other people on the site did a phenomenal job of that uh, that feature. Um, yeah, they made me want to try a Tales game, and I mean, if I was to try one, it would probably be a Rise. Um, the thing that really caught my attention about the Tales, Tales, Trails, meh. Tales, Tales, Trails, Trails
0: Trials, it's, it's, we're really not playing fair here.
2: Yeah, uh, the thing that really caught my attention about it was some of the older games allowing for uh, two-player games, which this one apparently doesn't do anymore, which I I feel that's kind of sad. But, uh, I mean, I'm thrilled to death that you had a good time with it. It seems like a, a really kind of classic JRPG sort of experience, and uh, that's something I was looking for uh, recently. So, but then again, it's also a massive time investment, as a JRPG can be. Um, I'm well, very happy that. Y-
0: y- 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 yes and no. A uh, I- problem I- is that I would want to. I would probably want a hundred percent. Me being me. Okay, then definitely yes, because um, I my runtime in Tales of Arise was forty-seven hours. Uh, and okay, I, and I did a lot of the stuff you can do, but I did not do any of the end game challenges. Uh, Any of the uh, uh, Nebulim weapons, I forget the exact name for those. Um, uh, I I did a lot of side quests, but none of the sort of late game or end game side quests. But um, I mean, there's uh, you you can level up to 99 and do a bunch of crazy stuff in this game. But I I never felt the need to do that. And also, it is true that I think um, Tales of Fantasia was not multiplayer, but every other game between Fantasia and 95 and Horizon in 2021 was two players or four players. you you could go four players very easily in Symphonia and Vesperia just for how the GameCube and, uh, n 360 were set up. And, uh, but in this game is only single player. It can be real chaos on screen. So I understand that maybe multiplayer was something that was too difficult for them to implement on this time. And also have the game be developed in a, uh, in a cost efficient and timely manner. (laughs) But, uh, it is a small bummer cuz i i i have a lot of um positive memories of playing uh, uh mostly symphonia uh multiplayer with friends uh, although i again i have mostly played uh tales games single player oh you know what i think i lied i think legendia was also only single player but that that's a that's a black sheep of the series if there ever was one um but uh, if I want multiplayer action, I play Monster Hunter, and if I want single-player action, Tales, Tales and East are two excellent choices. So I, I guess I went full action RPG this episode, but no regrets. No, oh, and none needed,
3: none whatsoever.
0: I, I never got sick of like of, of comboing the hell out of people, and then pulling off a finishing move where uh, where Kisara wields an ice hammer the size of a the size of a bus to to, to crush an enemy. That does sound like a good time. There are fi- there there are fifteen finishing moves that you can unlock multiple each battle, and the and the giant frozen hammer is is maybe my favorite one, just because I don't know the image of a knight with a giant ice hammer. Just I don't know, it's, it's it just felt it just feels right. <laughs> But uh, if anyone's Tales curious, checking out that feature that we wrote uh, a few months ago for the RPG Fan main website is a great starting point. And Tales of Arise itself is also a great starting point because most of the Tales games are not direct sequels of each other, except for a few obvious ones like Tales of Zillia 2 and Tales of Symphonia 2. And even then, sometimes it doesn't follow that scheme like Tales of Destiny 1 and 2. Yes. And... um, that's a whole other can of worms. That's a whole different. There, there are two Destiny twos, and that is that would require a different episode for me to properly explain them. There are many worms, and we've already recorded that podcast. Yeah, so. but but also all of the ones that have two in the title have a different main character than their than their previous game. They they mm-hmm. they are they're they are almost standalone titles, just set in the world of a previous title.
3: Yeah, I need to play Arise, and I also need to play. This isn't my pick for later, but uh, Scarlet Nexus I picked up, and that game is like. Tales, it's from the Tales of Asperia team, but it's like cyberpunk. And like that rules.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that one I have too. I need well, to play it.
0: They're, talking... still
3: up, they're still updating it. Like they released like an update with like new content like yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, no, I, We have a couple Scarlet Nexus players on the website. I i know it showed up on a few people's top 10 lists. Or uh, yeah, n- like... n- not 10 necessarily, Uh, end of the year top lists.
3: Hmm. Yeah, everyone I know who's played it has been like, yeah, that was cool. So I'm like, yeah, this is this. That's definitely on my on my uh, my. Uh, s- that's probably going to be something I start soon.
0: All right, but before we get into speculative top ten lists, uh, Peter, let's talk about one game you did play in 2021 that you enjoyed.
3: Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I'm gonna pick something that um you have finished solo see, and that I just started. Oh, what could this which be? Is, which is Shin Megami Tensei V. For the Nintendo Switch.
0: Boy, oh boy. Let's talk about this Um, thing.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, Shin Megami Tensei V was announced, like, before the Switch came out. And and it has been sort of lurking in the backdrop. It's like, when is this good thing going to come out? When are they going to show more of this thing? And it turned out that this year was the year. We got, like, a big old media blowout. And now the game is here. What do I think of it? I think it is... Based on my first impressions of about eight hours, I think it is okay. Um, <laughs> uh, it is a from a technical standpoint, very ambitious, possibly a little too ambitious for the poor little Nintendo switch. Um, this game is re- using Unreal Engine 4 um, and uh, it, and a lot of it looks really good. In, but it struggles to maintain a st- it, it never maintains a steady frame rate. I think most of the processing power is going into processing the main character's hair, which is admittedly very beautiful hair.
0: The, um, the, the Nahobino's hair is one of the supporting characters of the year.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah, obviously. Um, but the, the Switch is v- definitely struggling to run this. But at the same time, the game has a very satisfying core gameplay loop. And I find it really interesting to compare this game to its immediate predecessor on the 3DS, Shin Megami Tensei IV. Um, to to back up a moment though, because I got a little ahead of myself. Uh, as the re- as the listeners probably know, Shin Megami Tensei is the series from which Persona spawned. It is a monster collecting game in the vein of Pokemon. Um, where you recruit various demons to join your cause. And you can also fuse those demons into stronger demons, which is very important. Unlike Pokemon, where you're raising a consistent party throughout the game, Shin Megami Tensei encourages, nay requires, that you swap out weaker weaker demons when they are no longer needed, maybe carry over a skill or two, and try to make and try to create a new team to meet each um challenge. Um this is a very interesting and very rewarding system that um has that is remains intact in Shin Megami Tensei 5. Um the story once again is a post-apocalyptic tale where the main character who's a high school student suddenly finds themselves in in this wasteland version of Tokyo caught in the middle of a of a war between angels and demons and also finds themselves with a mysterious android companion that they fuse with to become a godlike entity called Anahobino and are essentially tasked with um, exploring this wasteland and getting to the root of the conflict. Um... What I find really interesting about Five, and again, this is just based on my limited playtime with it, is compared to its immediate predecessor, Shin Megami Tensei Four. That game was from a very different era of JRPGs, where everything was going handheld, and as a result, that game is very small scale. It's very intimate. Um, it's very focused on quests and um, missions, um, like that can be played in handheld seg- in handheld play sessions, like bite sized playtimes. Um, it's very Monster Hunter-esque in that regard. I feel like everything in the Japanese games industry was kind of cribbing a uh, Monster Hunter's lunch for a little while there. Um, Shin Megami Tensei V, on the other hand, has big, wide-open um, zones with a lot of verticality, um, and you're encouraged to explore these zones thoroughly to get um, hidden treasures, um, item pickups, um, and to find side quests, of which there are plenty, uh, movement feels really good. The Nahobino kind of has this um uh kind of slides downhill. So um as, as so and and the and the game has a lot of like sloping hills to climb. So um you really do feel really good while you're exploring these areas, and you're almost always rewarded for it. Um combat, once again, is the press turn system from the Shin Megami Tensei games, where hitting an enemy's weakness causes you to gain an extra turn in battle, but the enemies can do the same to you, so covering for your own weaknesses is also important. Um, but yeah, it so far I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm having a good time. Aside from the aforementioned technical issues, the only real complaint I have is that so far the story seems very, very similar to Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne but not in a good way. It seems like kind of a less interesting take take on Nocturne. Um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that, Solosi, because you've actually finished it. Uh,
0: I, I had an interesting SMT year. I, I played Nocturne for the first time in August, uh, and we podcasted about it. And then I played SMT5 in a whirlwind session. Mo- it was most of my video game November. I, I put about 60 or 65 hours into it which is but I also did a lot of side quests, a lot of fusing. Every time I gained a level, I I liked fusing demons so much in this game that every time I gained a level, I would like check out all my demons, see if I could make any level 47 demons it, that I couldn't at level 46. I, like that kind of de- I did a lot of skill t- tinkering and demon fusing in this game, and that part is really good. The combat is solid, the fusion stuff is solid. They give you more tricks like you can uh you can get items called essences that let you pass on skills uh from other demons to new demons without losing a demon in the process. Uh, there are more ways to increase stats and uh and and gain demon levels that are uh that and and pass on experience values and not just skills from uh, from demons through fusion. They give you a lot of power uh in those realms and the boss fights and uh and the open areas. Are pretty cool. Like they, a lot of them are. Uh, the boss fights are 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 small to medium sized difficulty spikes that you have to sort of solve and maybe approach from another angle. It's another thing that Bravely Default Two does it really well, I think. But then, the, the, I the, the story stuff either falls flat or doesn't seem like enough. Uh, there's five or six teenage characters that you were introduced to very early, but all of them either like seem to go seem to do a completely wild character turn out of nowhere or are just made to suffer through the game. And and that that I thought was in, in poor taste or not fun. And one of them is barely in the game at all, except for one side quest in the final area in, in which they are the most important character temporarily. And, uh, and the things like, like the conflicts between the demons and angels and other gods introduced later are pretty interesting and and uh, and their concept of what the nahobino is and that they're all fighting for the uh for, to to be the next sort of the next almighty god of the universe like all of that's interesting but it feels like it 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 underdelivers on all of it like every time or, or or I should say when I got to the end game uh it like like all of these characters felt underused and sort of wasted and i it's similar to Monster Hunter Rise in that the gameplay is excellent and the story is a little lacking, but I thought that the story was particularly lacking in SMT5. By the end of the game, I just sort of didn't care about it anymore, and, and, but for a while I was really obsessed with it and really enjoying my time with it, but that was not the case by the end. I, I hope that wasn't too negative because I, I did enjoy most of my time with SMT5, but I, I felt let down by the story at the end.
3: Yeah, it's, no, I don't think it's too negative at all. I think it's an honest appraisal. And um, I think, I mean, this is something that um, has been sort of a thing with Shin Megami Tensei um, since their more recent entries, particularly Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse, uh, the sequel on the 3DS, is that I don't think Atlas really knows how to write these kinds of stories anymore. Um,
0: Yeah, they build a lot of lore in SMT5. That's mostly pretty cool, but then they just under-deliver on the story payoffs.
3: Yeah, and that's where I'm like, when I look at the premise of this game, again, I haven't pl- finished it yet, so it could my opinion could change as I progress, but when I look at the story of this game, it does seem to me like we took the basic same basic framework of Nocturne, which Nocturne is, by design, very sparse and very atmospheric, um, but it's kind of, that game is using that for thematic points like it is trying to create the sense of isolation and i don't think that uh five is going for that vibe um and if you don't have the the, the vibes and themes of shin Megami tensei like these the mainline games are not really character studies they're not really focused on the characters um but in the lack of something to fill in that absence i struggle like you said like i agree with you i struggle to be invested so much um and I guess it's better than sort of the power of friendship shonen crap that they tried to put into Apocalypse. But um, at the same time, it's like, I feel like Atlas is um, struggling right now to give the core SMT games an identity.
0: And, and the thing is, in uh, in SMT3 Nocturne, they also had teenage characters that felt less important than the demons. But then they each had an arc and endgame influence that was really present and really strong. And, and I ended yeah. up either caring about them because I liked or hated them by the end. And with these yeah. and, and with the the teenage characters in SMT five, I either feel bad that they that they that their role was so wasted or didn't understand why they did a completely bizarre character change in the last 10 hours of the story. I, I don't know, like the, the, the character stuff in SMT five didn't feel earned while in SMT three. It felt extremely earned. Yeah, it, it, it was a little disappointing, Um, but I but the mechanics of it and the actual and the actual beef of the gameplay for 90% of the run, let's say let's say after the first 5% and before the last 5%, it's a really great RPG. And I, I think it almost gets better and better until it doesn't anymore. <laughs> So you, so the best is probably still yet to come from where you are Peter.
3: Yeah, I mean if you're if you're the kind of if you're the kind of RPG fan who's really into getting nitty-gritty with the systems of a game, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with
0: this one. I, you see I usually am that person and I loved all the crazy interactive systems in Tales of Arise and loved the interactive systems in Shin Megami Hensei 5, but one game had a story payoff that I loved and the other one had one that I didn't. So I I have I'll, significantly different opinions on them like uh, to
3: have the frosting on the cake for sure yeah
0: i i i I think when if a game invests in its story i need it to be a good story but if a game sort of admits that it doesn't have much of a story then i can focus more on the gameplay but smt5 really tried to have this powerful choice driven story at the end and i didn't I, i i didn't uh connect with it because there there are story decisions there are i think four or five endings um but you can sort of just completely switch to one ending or the other by the end. And the story choices I made in the game, I had no idea which path I was on when I was near the end. So it it, like, even when they have a good idea, they, it doesn't totally execute.
3: Yeah, for sure. I do think it's fun that as an early um, pre-order bonus, they put in um, the, the Demi fiend as an optional boss, like they have they have a quest chain where you have to fight all of the uh, the fiends from Nocturne, and it yeah. culminates in a in a fight against the demi fiend. I have no idea if he's as hard as his Digital Devil Saga counterpart, and I'm kind of scared to find out. He
0: is not as hard, but he is very hard. You need to be level 99 and have a and have a really uh, have a team that's really dedicated to fighting him. Um it, like like digital devil saga demi fiend is one of the hardest post-game bosses in video game history i don't i don't think this demi fiend hits that level but it's very hard and all of the fiend, and the demi fiend is cannot be recruited into battle but all of the fiends i think the eight or nine fiends you fight before him uh do become summonable oh that's cool so uh uh Jano or Audra, have you tried um Megami game hensei five or or three for that matter which got a remaster in 2021
1: I have not yet. I really want to, though. At some point, I really like the SMT games I've played.
0: Hmm, I, I haven't, but I would really like to play it. That sounds like a random encounter statement if I've ever heard one. <laughs> well, that's why she's on so often.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, i am I got to be honest. This is not a series that I am tremendously interested in getting into. Persona, yes. Uh, this, somewhat, like, it's interesting to me, but it's never really caught my attention. Um I think it's a shame that it's not running better on the system. I think that's
3: the yeah, fault of... Uh... It, it, it is struggling. And I mean, it's very ambitious for the system, but like, I think they're targeting 30, but the game is usually running at around 20.
2: I... Th- Actually, you want to know what? This is the end of 2021. Let's bring it up one more time. I think the reason why it's not running very good is because Nintendo was supposed to be releasing a Switch Pro.
0: Hmm.
2: I think they were going to... I think they were going to be releasing a switch pro and i think the chips the chip shortage uh spooked them uh there was a there was a uh story from bloomberg a few months ago that looked at that as to why this switch oled was released and the switch 4k uh wasn't and uh speculation is it was because of chip shortages and i think a lot of the games that have been coming out for switch lately that are um shall we say challenging the system uh I think they were being developed during a time when they thought that they might have some more horsepower to play around with, and then that ended up not being the case. Um, And I don't think we're going to get a Switch Pro anymore. I I think the Switch is selling so incredibly well worldwide that Nintendo would be fools to release an upgrade version of the Switch. I think they'll just hold off until they release the Super Switch, or whatever they'll call it in the future. I think what we have right now is what we're going to have. Um, until we get the next uh until we get Nintendo's next system,
0: it has been almost five years of the switch, which is around the normal size of a Nintendo system life cycle uh but the switch has been so successful that I think it might have a longer lifespan than say the Wii U to the shock of no one,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah and I don't probably. think it's
2: I don't think it's supposed to be as powerful as like people are like, why is it so underpowered compared to the PlayStation five and I'm like, have you looked at the PlayStation five It's a house.
3: It's like it, I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. It's almost as tall as my TV.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a mass. It's like five times the size of a Nintendo Switch. Like we're it, not playing, lo-
3: and it looks like Sato Kaiba.
2: Yeah, and we're not. They're not playing. They're both video game systems, but they're not playing in the same arena. Their Nintendo does not play the same game as everybody else.
0: Yeah, n- n- Nintendo just tries to make systems that that are great at running Nintendo games and not the, the most graphically intense. Um, games of of their time and they're very very good at doing that yeah nintendo don't because they don't have to
2: uh they're (laughs) doing fine as they are right now
0: that is good
3: yes that is that is exactly it jonah
2: um that being said it is a shame that uh smt5 is not running at a higher frame rate because it does look like a gorgeous game with some incredible design work behind it so it'd be it would be nice to see that uh see that in glorious 4k with uh uh, th- at the very least 30 frames per second but 60 would be lovely
0: if you want to if you want to play a great switch game that is beautiful and runs at a solid 30 frames per second might i introduce you to monster hunter rise <laughs> <laughs>
3: ah the the monster hunter evangelist strikes again
0: and the um, and uh, and pc s- version is unlocked to 60 but uh, but please continue peter Oh, uh,
3: i was just going to ask Jono. um this is slightly off topic but if you haven't um if you're if you haven't played a mainline shin megami tensei game and you are somewhat curious coming off of Persona, um, I would highly recommend Digital Devil Saga as sort of a gateway, because Digital Devil Saga is has a lot of the atmosphere and tone and themes that the mainline games have, but it also has a more character-driven story and some more traditional JRPG elements, like a uh, kind of a sphere grid-esque leveling system. Interesting. Um, the, the whole thing. The whole thing is post-apocalyptic and based on Hinduism, and it is awesome.
0: And the PS3 version of uh, Digital Devil Saga is kind of not great. Um, it is not. Uh, but uh, Audra, let's talk about a game that is better than kind of not great. Uh, your final selection for the episode.
1: Probably I'm going to go with Nosia, which is a visual novel with some RPG oh, yeah. elements. It has a really great sci-fi story that I loved.
0: That's gnocia with a G, correct? Yes. Yeah. Isn't it kind of
1: like visual
3: novel Among Us? I've heard it pitched.
1: Yes, that's pretty much it. You um, have to figure out who amongst the crew of refugees, spacefaring refugees, or is infected with something called the Nosia that wants to destroy humanity. And if you don't figure out who it is, they'll start picking off people on the party. After you go through the, your debates,
3: that sounds a little sus
0: to me. That <laughs> almost felt like hmm. a video game version of, of werewolf or something. But but this has like sci fi elements. If, if there's, it has
1: sci fi elements and time loops, which they actually were popular right well. here. Yep. <laughs>
0: if, if, if there's a, a dialogue driven debate mini game, that does smell like a little Rampa.
3: or um, Zero Escape
1: it's pretty it's pretty interesting, and there's RPG stats you actually get like different skills that you can then use to counter people accusing someone else of something, and you can actually randomize the different time loops to have like certain numbers of traders or certain numbers of people who are supposed to help and it's just really well done v n
0: so like yeah. Uh, uh... Do different playthroughs of the game have uh have like a different uh a, a different possible um carrier or is it a is it always the same story like like is there replay value in how the plot is structured
1: yes there's a lot of replay value the um it's always a different carrier and everything so you can never tell from sometimes even you're the carrier.
0: Uh, okay. Which is actually huh.
1: quite an interesting thing when you have to when you have to then try to pick off everybody without getting caught yourself.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I want to avoid Don Gan spoilers, but the, the the one thing you can usually count on is that you aren't actually the murderer. But that's if that's not the case here, I'm I'm interested to how they would handle that.
1: It's handled pretty well. It's um, I I found it more fun to play as <laughs> that. <laughs> role it's a little different from the um trying to figure out who among them is for lack of a better term and <laughs> it's kind of like among us but
2: yeah I remember when it was announced uh, everyone on staff was like it's like among us but for us <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like among
3: us for nerds
1: <laughs> yeah it's just it was a very fun game and the artwork for it is absolutely gorgeous I thought and when I mean, they actually do the care the reveals about who's the infected people they have like such the great freak out pictures hmm
0: i i do enjoy a good uh freak out picture when someone has their defeat scene or death scene but maybe maybe that's the ace attorney fan in me (laughs) Hmm.
2: uh apparently it was just revealed that although it's been available on the nintendo switch uh it was going to be released on PC at the end of this year, but they have, considering there's, what, ten days left? Uh, eight days left? They are, have delayed it to early 2022. So there's going to be a PC version in a couple of months. Ooh. Nice. Yeah.
1: Good to know. It's definitely another excellent visual novel on the Switch, though.
2: has had so many good visual novels.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It is a powerhouse, I'm telling you.
0: And including a lot of ports of old classic video visual novels, just the, the, the switch is a moneymaker right now. So there's a, a lot of really good stuff showing up on it.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure. No, actually was a Vita game at first.
0: Too, oh, which uh, another Rama connection. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh,
2: it really handles them well. I think the, the frame rate on Famicom detective club club is incredible.
0: And that one, that was a, originally a Famicom game from like 1989 or something. Yeah. So, but now I, I still need to play those but now the switch obviously needs the ultimate visual novel port. Uh, the original, um, Portopia serial murders case files. <laughs> I don't Give even know what
2: that Wait, No, I see it here. I, it's funny. I just opened up Famicom detective club and it, it's referencing it. Yeah. It,
0: it, Portopia <laughs> is by the creator of dragon quest and it was the game that he made before dragon quest. And it's also sometimes considered the first murder mystery game in the first visual novel. So, uh, yeah, the creator of Dragon Quest also had a hand in inventing visual novels <laughs> and the and the weird black on white menu that you see in every Dragon Quest game is, is it was adapted from him building it for Portopia serial murders. That's crazy. 1983. So anyway, uh, but if we're talking about Yuji Hori's early career, maybe we're near the end of the episode. Uh uh, there's but before, <laughs> Maybe at the beginning of a new one. Yeah, but, but before we go into housekeeping, I'm, you know, I'm not sure there's an official English language version of Portopia, but I I, I looked for one for a while, but I only found um, uh, fan translations. But anyway, um, before we move into the housekeeping part of the show, I want each person to – I'm going to be that annoying uncle that asks everyone at the Thanksgiving dinner table what they're thankful for. Uh, t- tell me one thing that happened in 2019 into 2019 I wish 2019 in 2021 <laughs> that was uh, that was not an RPG but uh but uh you you particularly enjoyed um I'll go first to give you guys some time to some time to think I'm being a little unfair springing this on you um one of my favorite PS2 series got a huge revival in 2021 and that's Ratchet and Clank um R- Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart came out in I think May or June and it was the first PS5 game I got for my PS5 uh, before Ratchet came out. I was just playing Yakuza games on it, basically, and and I got my PS5 in in April. But it it was it, it, I I hadn't really loved a Ratchet game since two thousand nine with Crack uh, and Time, and Rift Apart really felt like the best of those PS two and PS three Ratchet games, and I and it, it was it was like just a beautiful Saturday morning cartoon. It's one of the best looking games I've ever played. If it was an RPG, it would probably be in my top three of of my game of the year list. But but alas, it definitely isn't. So yeah, my pick for uh, a twenty twenty one thing I like is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Does anyone else have something to um, present to the Midnight Society?
1: Ooh, um, probably the surprise drop of Young Justice Phantoms.
0: Oh, Ooh, that's H- a good VFX. one. Oh. Yeah, was.
1: It's such a good show.
0: I love the first three seasons of Young Justice. Oh, it's. Really I still great. haven't seen it's... the fourth season
2: yet, but uh, yeah, we have finished the first one. Amanda and I finished the third season at the cottage this summer. Phantom, yeah.
0: Phantoms yeah. is season... four seasons. Great. Is Phantom season five? Four. Four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've seen the first three. Good. Good. Okay. I, I wasn't. I was confused. But no, Young Justice is a really great cartoon. It's. It's the guy that. Uh. It's. The, it's the creator of Gargoyles. Greg Weisman. Gar- 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 yeah, Gre- yeah. Yeah. yeah Gar- Greg Gargoyles. Weisman. Greg Wyatt uh, gargoyles and spectacular Spider-Man, uh, were his previous big shows and, and he's a hell of a, an animation director. God, I love gargoyles.
3: I, um, I saw a lot of movies this year. Um, coming, uh, going back to movie theaters for the first time, as things started to quiet down and, uh, being, uh, vaccinated, um, kind of helped boost my confidence a little bit, but, um, if there's one movie I saw this year that I really just want everyone to watch, it's um Pig with Nicolas Cage in it. Um that movie. I knew nothing about it going in, and I've seen a lot of people who watched the trailer and were like, "Oh, it's going to be like John Wick with a pig." It's like, "No, it's really not." Um I didn't really know and uh, when I when I came out of this and just realized that what this was was a a very somber very, um, it's emotionally devastating drama about um coping with loss. That's also, um, um a, a view into how cutthroat the Portland restaurant industry is. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It's one of Nicolas Cage's best performances. Alex Wolf is in it and he does a really good job. Um, there's a scene where Nicolas Cage basically cross examines um, um, the the owner of a restaurant, um, like it's a scene out of freaking Rampa and it's awesome. Um, I would highly recommend this film to anyone who uh, who is interested. Um, it's it's uh, it was it's easily my favorite movie of the year, sitting on top of other things I saw like uh, Green Knight and Power of the Dog, which were also movies that made me cry.
2: Uh for me, I'm gonna go slightly different. There are there are a few things that I could mention in twenty twenty one that I'm I'm thankful for and I really enjoyed, like uh well, Young Justice, for example. Uh the last episode of DuckTales, the new DuckTales was great. But um for me, I think the thing is podcasts. Um this year I was very adrift and I was doing random encounter, but uh just just uh co-hosting it with Greg and I I really threw myself into uh, trying to learn how to edit podcasts and podcast uh, production and that kind of thing. And I found a, a resource and mentors, but not like I'd never, I've never talked to them uh, with two guys, uh, Stephen Hackett and Mike Hurley. They started, uh, they, they are the, the owners of Relay FM. And uh, they have such podcasts as Connected and Upgrade and Cortex with CGP Gray. And uh, I subscribed to them and they had a, podcast called really fm crossover and they have a podcast called backstage and it's them going into like backstage talking about how they put together their podcasts and like all of the details of podcast production and very very entertaining stuff because they're both super entertaining podcasters but also really opened my eyes to a lot of uh a lot of potentials of the of podcasting so yeah, Relay FM and those two in particular were a bright light for me in 2021. And also our podcast as well by the way. Uh not 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 for nothing but like this is the end of the year, let's get sappy. Like Mike, you've killed yourself this year with Retro and you kill yourself every year with this show. And the amount of episodes that you put out is nothing short of jaw-dropping and the level of quality that you maintain is astounding with uh with the episodes that are put out so i think you have so much to be proud of this year with this show yes i think you really did an amazing job this year
1: Mm -hmm.
0: well thanks everyone um i i really do put a lot of work into retro encounter even though i know know it's not the most uh polished or professional podcast And, and i am proud of uh the work i do and the work that every panelist does it's uh it has become a big part of my life over the past several years. And I thought I thought 2021 was a was a great year for Retro Encounter. And I am looking forward to podcasting for probably another 50 or so episodes <laughs> in 2022. Um, I'm not going to say 52 because I, I always there it always happens once or twice a year that I have to miss a week and I always feel horrible about it. And everyone tells me not to feel horrible about it, which does not help. I, I'm looking forward to probably another 50 a- episodes in 2022 you know you know um we haven't have spending this entire episode focused on 2021 we just had a retro a random encounter episode focused on 2022 so i think it is now time to talk a little bit about 2022 but before that uh, I want to thank uh, you the audience for listening to us for more than 2 hours about our fa- uh, some of our favorite games and other things of 2021. Uh, your your listenership is always appreciated. Uh and also thank you uh O, Peter and Audra for joining me on this episode. It was great talking to all of you and hearing our uh our very diverse opinions on the RPGs of 2021 uh making me add a few more games to my wish list, mostly looking at you Vale. And then, yeah, just for being you and for podcasting with me. Uh, there's a bunch of games we didn't get to that we probably could have. Uh, uh, Pete, Peter mentioned Scarlet Nexus. Uh, Jono, I, Jono and I both mentioned Braylon Default 2. Uh, we did an episode on Imposter Factory a couple years ago, a couple years, a couple weeks ago. That, was, that game's awesome. The re- I loved the near replicant remake um I, I probably my most one my one most regretted game i didn't play in 2021 was lost judgment which is a game i know you love Jono. uh audra and i mentioned monster hunter stories too that thing looks dope i want to i want to fly around a dread king rathalos but uh, <laughs> a of
3: voice of cards um was another one that came out this year from Yoko yokotara where it's like a really interesting like top-down card-based game that's one that I always think is worth spotlighting.
0: yeah, and there's, then there's inscription, which is a crazy card-based FMV meta-narrative game that people are going bonkers over that's showing up in a lot of top 10 lists. I'm, I'm really curious about that thing. Um, there, there's uh, 2021 was a really good year for games, and yeah. we only got to around 12 to 15 of them in this episode. I mean, the friggin death store looks cool. I want to play that thing.
3: Oh, Death Door is dope.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's enough 2021. Let's look ahead a little bit to 2022. Um, the next four episodes of Random... Oh, I, can't, I can't get my encounters straight today. The next four episodes of Retro Encounter are set. We are doing an episode on the PlayStation 2 next week. We're going to rank our top two, 10 PS2 RPGs um, for the system. We are. We've already voted and started discussing on that. Or started discussing that, but we haven't recorded the episode yet. I'm really looking forward to how that shakes out. Uh, Peter, you're going to be on that one with me.
3: Yeah, I am,
0: and and I will say, Peter, I am, I I am surprised at the game we picked number one. I I was not expecting that, but uh, but we, uh, listeners, you'll have to find out exactly how that shook out next week. Um, and also coming in January, we're doing an episode about non-RPGs. Uh, we did a, a this episode is not about RPGs a couple of years ago We were deciding to bring the format back and talk about things besides RPGs and RPG fan for one episode uh, so look forward to that in January but later in january we 're doing two episodes on Skies of Arcadia, the beloved Dreamcast RPG that later received a Gamecube port. Um, those episodes are going to be hosted by Alana Hagues, who is the number one skies of Arf- of Arcadia fan that any of us knows. A lot of us be so happy about this. Yeah, she was really excited when it won our uh, when it, it, it won that poll, and didn't just win that poll; it dominated. It got like eighty four percent of the vote, or something crazy. Um, and uh, Audra, you're going to be playing that game for the first time for that podcast, right? Yes, awesome. I've already
1: started a little bit of it. Oh so uh, yeah, that, I quite like it.
0: I haven't played *Scars of Arcadia* in a long time, like probably fifteen or sixteen years, but that game is good as hell, and I cannot wait to listen to uh, uh, a a very pumped panel talking about that and you know normally i don't go further than about a month talking about the future of retro encounter but you know it's the year end episode i'm gonna get a little wild uh coming in 2022 in february of 2022 we're doing two episodes on star wars knights of the old republic uh we we were talking about mass effect a little bit earlier KOTOR is kind of Mass Effect before Mass Effect. Bioware making a sci-fi-tinged RPG with a lot of great characters and a, and a, a lot of interesting choices to make. I have never played KOTOR, and part of it was because my PC couldn't run it because the Steam version was messed up. I'll tell that story in those episodes, I guess. But I am going to make a sincere effort to play KOTOR for the first time in February, and I'm really excited to do so. And you know what? I'm also going to throw another one out there. In, Mar- in March, we haven't set the entire month yet, but we know what the theme of it's going to be. Um, Jono, what's a genre that you and I both love? Uh, that
2: it's... um. No, it's, it's not Castlevania. it's
0: not CastleTroid. It was it's, the inverse of that. Oh, Metroidvania Madness. Yes, Metroid. we're having some March Madness of Metroidvania this March. We're going to do three episodes on Metroidvania games. One of them will be Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. One of them will be a, uh, a Metroid game that we're we haven't set in stone yet and the third will be a metroidvania game that is not castlevania or metroid but that one is also not set in stone yet so please get ready for three exciting episodes of march madness metroidvania in a few months um and other than that uh, we haven't picked any uh our retro encounter months beyond that but i know that we have some suikoden fans in the house yay! and uh we've done we've done two episodes on suikoden two. And two episodes on Swekin V, five, and two episodes on Swekin three, so we're going to do two episodes on a different Swekin game sometime in 2022. But we have not chosen the month. We have not chosen the month yet. Uh, so please look forward to Skies of Arcadia, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, uh, three different Metroidvania games, and a Swekin game, all coming in 2022 for Retro Encounter. But uh listeners, if you have any comments you wanna direct our way, the best way to do so is via email. That's retro at rpgfan dot com. If you have game suggestions, uh feedback, anything anything that you'd like to send directly to me, I check that episode that episode. I check that Uh, that email every couple of days. You can also comment on RPGfan.com's message boards. Visit our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Discord, our YouTube, our Twitch channel. On all of those, we are called either RPGfan or RPGfan.com. Please uh, interact with us however you choose to interact with us. There's also three other fine podcasts uh, hosted by RPGfan. There's Random Encounter every two weeks, often hosted by you, Jono.
2: Yes, we just had the uh, most anticipated 2022 episode, and uh, we'll be doing some year-end episodes, too, where we talk about uh, RPG fans' uh, best stuff lists coming up.
0: Awesome. And uh, there's also Rhythm Encounter, which Jono and I have both hosted at different times, but is usually hosted by Mike Salvato, also every two weeks, always about RPG music. And in addition to the three encounters, we have Phoenix Edge, our partner podcast hosted by Hat and Eric, currently on hiatus, but they will come back strong in 2022. Uh, Phoenix Edge mostly focuses on current events with RPGs, but they, are, they have episodes dedicated to a wide variety of topics. If you want to review any of those four podcasts, including Retro Encounter, you can visit uh, the podcast fee- uh, venue of your choice, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, um, whatever you like. We like feedback, uh, five stars, five stars. Please give us feedback. But if you want to give us feedback as individuals and not as a podcast, let's share with the listeners our individual social media, starting with you, Peter.
3: Um, you can find me at I have Fury on Twitter. You can also email me, Peter t at RPGFan.com. Now, Jono. Uh, you can email me at JLogan at
2: RPGFan.com. You can find me on Twitter at Johnno underscore Logan. Or if you want to send something into Random Encounter, you can send it to podcast at RPGFan.com. And
0: Audra.
1: You can find me on email at AudraB at RPGFan.com.
0: And listeners, if you want to uh, reach out to my dumbass, you can find me on Twitter at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. On RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. And uh, I mentioned this before, if you want to reach out to the podcast, there is Retro at RPGFan.com. So, it has been a year. I, I, I don't want to qualify that with any other adjectives 2021 was a year but at least we had, like anyone could dispute that <laughs> at, at least we had some pretty good video games
1: yes
2: and there's going to be some more really good video games in 2022
0: i certainly hope so but um, let's be real it, it's monster hunter rise sunbreak and then everything else <laughs> listeners thank you good night and good luck